Captain's Log, Stardate 1492.fuckcolumbus. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Grand Nagus Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to tr- seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where, where this podcast is, is not a, a chore. This is Soy Trek, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves every week, if a Vulcan makes an open-faced tuna sandwich with cheese on top, is it a tuna meld? Mm. Mm. These are the questions that plague us. These these are. Every night, <laughs> I, I don't sleep because of this one, specifically. Do you, do you think he can? No, he can't, probably can't mind meld with something dead. Not, not a sandwich, definitely. <laughs> not a sandwich. You can't mind meld a sandwich, Pat. <laughs> But do you think of a, as what? much as you want to, and as as much as I'm sure you've tried before, you can't mind meld a sandwich. Well, I was about to say, like, if a Vulcan could mind meld, I wonder if that's why uh, Vulcans are vegetarian, because they could oh. mi- they could mind meld with animals, and they saw what it's like to be eaten, and they <laughs> emphasize with the with the animals that they can't eat them. Interesting, but you think also if they like mind melded with a cat, they'd just like start like looking for mice and shit, and be, like easily distracted at things and like trying to jump up places they don't belong. Uh, I can see that. Also, supposedly they are part cat. I think they descended from cats, from cat like creatures. Oh, interesting. Like yeah. Cations? Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast before, but. Cation is one of my favorite named species of all time mm-hmm. in any sci-fi series because they just put they took cat <laughs> and just put a like A T I A N at the end. There's a Cation. They're the Cation species. No Cation. Let's go. Oh for yeah, it. yeah. Well, I love that. It's definitely a George Lucas naming thing. It is. I really, <laughs> but I appreciate it. It's like stupid but easy to remember. Yeah. And I remember it is. It sounds like vacation, but then I looked at the spelling and I'm like, that's just the word cat. Occasion, all I ever wanted. <laughs> Occasion, on a getaway. Indeed. Uh, t- <laughs> today we'll be watching and reviewing Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 3, Mining the Mind's Minds, and Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 16, Meld. That episode rocks. Indeed. But first, let's get into what's going on in the world of Trek. We got track news for you. News you can use to wash away your blues. We got track news for you. What the fuck you gonna do? What the fuck you gonna do? Star Trek Day was this week. Uh, Star Trek Day celebrated every September 8th to commemorate the debut of Star Trek back on September 8th, 1966. Seemed to be set up to go off without a hitch this year which included several live streams, uh, announcements, and tributes all around the Star Trek world, but was interrupted by the Queen of England dying. <laughs> you selfish bitch. I mean, that just gave more, more excuse to, ex- uh, to celebrate. I know. Yeah, so now, now every year it's going to be like, 
British people are going to be like, <laughs> oh, it's the day of the door. We're going to go out and celebrate and drink it. I'm like, no. First off, you didn't just speak English. I know that for certain. And uh, second, like, um, no, no, it's Star Trek Day. We don't mm-hmm. respect the queen. The queen is just a colonizer. Yeah. Like, the queen got into some dirty ass shit and she just like sat by and she's like, oh, well, it's just what the British want. <laughs> and like, but what what the British want was fucking like bad, bad shit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And she just stood by and like rode elephants in Africa and took photo ops and shit. Well, as someone um, pointed out, like the queen dying is, is very Star Trek because it means we're on 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 a. Uh... <coughs> On on course for uh, the Irish unification of yeah, 2024. There, there were lots of memes about that, which yeah. is great. Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, uh, Sean Finn is that the name of the the political organization? Oh, yeah, 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 the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, they're you know trying to make something happen, either like a complete withdrawal or mm. something else. And, and like, yeah, and they're trying to unify all of Ireland to withdraw. I'm sure that Irish planet uh, is probably celebrating pretty hard. They probably yeah. that's probably still a holiday, you know, in the Star Trek universe. That's probably still a holiday for them. The Queen dying. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they probably. Like... Right. Yeah, I, I bet. I bet. Like uh, every time they go to the um, the Irish holodeck program, Voyager, it's like they're celebrating because it's like the day the Queen died. So yeah. It's, uh, or the King died at some point. Yeah, they probably have Queen Elizabeth pictures in the toilet and stuff. And delete the Queen. <laughs> D- delete the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, the Queen's been deleted. The world's a little. Indeed. The world's a happier place now. Yeah, a little bit happier. You know, we still got. We still got. Um, uh, the, you know, as, as as parasites do, they lay eggs. We do. So so, so, so we, we still, still have, we still have the British monarchy. It's yeah. not like it's just like a, a shitty figurehead for it went away, and now we get a man. Yeah, which is like probably worse. And that parasite laid eggs. So yeah, right. And it's, so it's, it's going to be just an endless line of succession of these inbred dumb motherfuckers yeah. who just like incredibly privileged. Who are just completely symbolic, and for, yeah, for absolutely, it's, it's symbolism. No it's a symbolism of uh, a bygone time that that I think we can say was objectively bad. Yeah, for most people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they've they're everywhere the British. <laughs> but, um, we gotta, um, you gotta um, British, 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 or the royal family. In oh, case there there's go. any yeah. British listeners out there, we love. Yeah, and appreciate because you. there there are some some <laughs> good people. You know, people who who didn't want Jeremy Corbyn to leave. We'll call yeah. them mm-hmm. um, Christopher you know. Eccleston. You know, yeah, my boy rocks. Christopher Eccleston. I saw a great tweet. It was like uh, uh, Christopher Eccleston's manager must be holding him back today. <laughs> like, yeah. The day the Queen. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I bet he's because he's he's so he's dope. I love Christopher. Yeah, Anderson. he rules. Yeah. You know, I've never watched. Uh, I bet Dr. Roger. I bet Roger Waters had a lot to say about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Roger Waters is fucking cool. And uh, I've never watched uh, Doctor Who, but you know, he immediately Christopher instantly becomes he was, my favorite. My favorite Doctor. He was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but but I'll give him a pass because he's a brilliant actor. Like yeah. uh, he in the Leftovers is the mm-hmm. is the preacher. He was incredible. Oh yeah, he's like, uh, like yeah, he's good and everything. Like um, no. uh, twenty eight days later, he's good. Oh yeah, that. no, he's he's a great actor. Yeah. Just he was wrong for the Doctor, especially like the time they rebooted it with the production they had. Mm. Uh, it just like comes off as really. It, it's too camp, mm. you know, like I like camp, but it's like, it is like hokily bad uh, and not like intentionally. So at a lot of points. Yeah. I've, I've never, I never bothered to get into Dr. Who because it's, there's so many 
episodes. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that, it's too that, daunting. It's also it's a little bit. Um, how do I put this? British. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things that I'm like, no. Yeah. Like you, you know, there's some good British things, mm-hmm. but that's usually when you can't tell it's British. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like when you find out something like the last the last great piece of British media I think I watched was like The Office. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 crazy because fucking fucking what's his face was in charge of that. Mm. Um uh oh I can't even think of his name. I hate him so much. Ricky Gervais. There oh you go. yeah, yeah. Ricky Gervais is a big dumb idiot. But he does suck. I mean, there, suck but this, it, it's I, bad I, because I love life's too short. So I started to watch um, his his new Netflix uh, Which special. One? Ricky Gervais. Oh, I never seen it. I, I, I oh, hated that one. It was, sh- it was just transphobic jokes, like all the cool. way down. It's like, oh, like I can't, he, he must have said, like, if well, you got Peter's your man, isn't it? And shit like that. Like the entire time, I'm like, what the fuck are you? No, dude, come on. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know why they've chosen trans people as like their target. And why I don't, they, and, it's, like, it's the weirdest punching down. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, I mean, it's, but yeah, you do get it because yeah. in the 1980s, especially when the AIDS epidemic was happening, mm-hmm. like every big comedian had a, a, a you know, a good, 20 minutes of their 60 minutes fucking Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And I think it was either raw or the other one where mm-hmm. he, he does like a good, like 15, 20 minutes on AIDS and gay people. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe it killed at the time, but you mm-hmm. know, some comedy ages poorly. Some comedy, it's rare. The comedy ages well. Yeah. You know, some comedy ages fine. Three Stooges still going strong. Yeah. I mean, straight up like, (laughs) yeah, some of the best comedy is like super lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. Like if you make, if you can make a dog laugh, Mm -hmm. you've, you've made good comedy. Like, because like every level of person is going to let someone falling over and getting hit in the nuts and shit. Like that shit makes a dog laugh. (laughs) And like, if a dog laughs, you've made timeless comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, which is like, say what you will about Adam Sandler movies, but that comedy is honestly going to age a lot better than any indie comedy from any year. It does. I was, uh, I was, I was, did the whole rewatch of like, you know, Happy Gilmore and mm-hmm. Billy Madison and I was, oh, it's, it's for dumbasses. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so good. Like it's, it's great and quotable, but also there's also a lot of nostalgia there. Yeah. Like, I wonder how it would be like watching that for the first time as like a zillennial or whatever. It's like, I don't think that comedy is like fast paced enough for a lot yeah. of people because they're used to their fucking, you know, uh, uh TikTok comedy yeah. shit where people are trying to get in like a ton of jokes in a few seconds. And yeah. I wish I could give myself a lobotomy or something and rewatch it. I wish I could. Give you a little bit of me too. It's, I feel that way too. You know, I got I got a, a few like bent pieces of metal. If you want to try after the podcast, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I just want to re- I just want to be comfortably numb and Hell yeah. unaware of things. Yeah, I got a lot of weed, dog. We'll get you high as a kite, baby. Hell yeah. Yeah, I got some. I got some really good tequila. I just found. Oh, yeah. found on the street. <laughs> may, uh, not, may or may not be tequila. It was in my storage <laughs> unit. I totally forgot that I still had um, a bunch of tequila. That's yeah, a good thing. It doesn't go bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, it actually gets better, right? Is that how it works? I don't think it really ages in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like you age in a barrel, like in the bottle. Yeah. After you put it in glass, it like, yeah, yeah it's going to take on properties of the glass. <laughs> like, I don't want glass in my drink, though. It's going to be Mr. Glass. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they call me Mr. Glass. 
I have no idea what you're referencing here. Sorry. Uh, Unbreakable? M. Night Shyamalan? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on. That, moving that was a little on. Weird. Starship. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> moving on to Trek News. Henry Alonzo Myers, co showrunner of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, revealed that they have special plans and that they plan to, quote, make a big moment of Kirk and Spock meeting on Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Mm, they already, well, they, they already kind of met. Not really, though. Yeah. Um, they like kind of met in uh, passing. Yeah, and also in like I guess it was an alternate alternate universe yeah, where they yeah. technically met. Mm. But, so yeah. speaking with TV Line earlier this week, uh, Henry Alonzo Meyer said that the writing team think about the first meeting every day and quote, "In the moment when they finally meet, we absolutely make a big moment of it and hope people will enjoy what we come up with." Uh, yeah, I would I would be happy without Kirk in it. Yeah, personally. So, uh, Paul Wesley, the new Kirk, received a mixed response when he debuted as Captain Kirk in the season one finale earlier this year, getting praise for uh, some on his new, more serious take on Kirk, but getting equal, if not greater, amounts of scorn for not possessing any of the characteristic charisma or charm possessed <laughs> by William Shatner or Chris Pine. Yeah. Also in the interview, Myers mentioned that in the season one finale, fans heard the voice of Montgomery Scotty, yeah. Scott, uh, the engineer from the original Star Trek show. He said that while Kirk will be joining the cast next season, uh, that the appearance of Scotty was a little tease about the future and that he will not be replacing Hemmer in the season mm. as chief engineer. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I don't think they should quite yet. I yeah. think maybe they should include him in an episode or something, kind of tease him coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe have someone else that they've had on engineering in there be the interim person, like because mm -hmm. Jordy was like, wasn't he the interim guy for a little while or something? They didn't have a chief engineer for a little while or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had um that other guy, that guy with the beard. Yeah, for the first season, I yeah, think, right. And Jordy wasn't the chief engineer for mm -hmm. the second season, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, um. I would. I, I personally, I don't. I don't. I don't know if that guy is going to be a, a good addition to the cast. I don't. Know. That's my opinion. Wait, who? Uh, Kirk. Oh yeah. I don't. I. I just. We don't need Kirk. We've heard enough Kirk stories. We don't need a third Kirk right now, yeah. especially because they're planning on making a fourth film, and so we're going to have two concurrent Spocks, two concurrent Kirks, mm -hmm. and it's just like we don't. We don't need that in the Star Trek world right now. I'd rather they come up with cool new characters to yeah. do cool new things with. Maybe, I don't know, Kirk's son could be interesting. Mm. Not David, obviously, but yeah. maybe he could have a son later in the future. Yeah. Or they, uh, his dad was in Starfleet. They could do stories about his dad. That could be interesting as mm. well. Yeah, I mean, they're just brand new characters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like, uh, I've, yeah. like already they have Yahura on there and... Uh, uh -huh. Uh, who else they have? Uh, the Una. Una, yeah. And uh, of course, Pike. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm fine with like just having them and then like maybe some, just, yeah, make, I, give us I, some new I like the new characters and I like how they're developing for them yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Uh, they give them some pretty bad lines here and there. Yeah. Of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but the old characters are good too. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's it's going well, I'd say. And so I don't think they need to immediately replace Hammer. No. They don't need an engineer position that's like the chief engineer. Yeah. They can just have another engineer when they need engineer techno babble to be done. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. 
Let's see. I'm excited to see what they do. I mean, maybe they'll make put Boimler in there since he's going to be appearing in the. <laughs> yeah, that that should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah as live we talked action. about last week, yeah, they're going to have live action. Um, Boimler and Mariner. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, Jack Quaid and Tawny uh, Newsom mm-hmm. are going to be their respective characters, Boimler and Mariner, yeah. on Strange New World season two, which should be, I think, pretty cool. Yeah. We'll see. I, I mean, I like both of them as live action actors a lot. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see what they do with that. Yeah. Um, all right. And finally, in Star Trek news this week, it was announced yesterday on Star Trek Day that season three of Picard, the final season and presumed send off to the entire TNG cast, will be debuting on February 16th, 2023, about five months from now. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> also released on Star Trek Day was a teaser trailer for the season, including the ship on which the crew will be presumably be traveling. And it's none other than the USS Titan. Oh, shit. Uh, Riker's command after the Enterprise and a ship that's already been worked into canon on lower decks. Mm. And I think Picard season one was that, did he have the yeah, Titan at the very yeah, end? Yeah, he, show, he showed up with it. Yeah, I, I think that was the Titan, yeah. So, ex machina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, from the teaser trailer, it sounds as though the Titan heads out on a distress call from none other than Dr. Lee, Dr. Lee, Dr. Beverly Crusher. Mm. Uh, the entire bridge crew, including Tasha Yar, will be joining the cast for the final season. And I just want to say, it's almost surprising to me that they're all still alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't I, jinx anything. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like for the most part though, like Star Trek actors in general have a longevity and not a lot of mm. them. I don't think there's like only, only I think like Kess has really gone off the deep end as a person, right? Yeah, I think so. Right. I can't think of any, I mean, like, you know, Barclay is a weird fucking. Yeah. So, so one thing I found that's funny. Mm. Uh, so apparently the guy who played Barclay, Reginald Barclay, I forget his actual name. Do you remember? I don't remember. Yeah. So, so apparently he's, he was a, like a talk radio show host. He is <laughs> like, and he, he used to fill in for Michael Savage. When oh, Michael shit. Savage was on vacation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Woof. So he's got he's got similar views. So I, I actually, he was at January six. Maybe that'd be that'd be funny. Oh my god! If, if that, Barclay the, was an inside job. The the, the, uh, the uh, footage that they used in uh, the first episode of Strange New Worlds of January six. That'd be funny if Barclay was in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had and then like they ended up just like writing into the plot where it turns out like Barclay went back in time or something like that, <laughs> and they bring him back back play his character. That'd be awesome. Just. Barclay walks in the holodeck. Yeah. Holodeck. Play program successful January 6.exe. He's like, he gets in there and actually burns the place down. He doesn't just wander around and grab things. It immediately shoots the fucking uh, MAGA shaman. He shoots the MAGA shaman. He's like, I'm the shaman now. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, the entire bridge crew, including Tasha Yar, will be joining the cast for the final season, and the only characters from the previous two seasons of Picard announced so far are Raffi, Seven of Nine, and Picard himself. Mm. Yeah, because they got rid of everyone else. Yeah, including, uh, Data, apparently, because they said Brett and Spiner will be playing a new old character. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Hopefully, I mean... Are they bringing, are they, are they not bringing back, um, the elf guy? The Romulan... Uh, Elnor? Elnor. I, I don't know, because they revived him at the end, but I think, I don't I don't think he's been announced as coming back. I'm not sure. Mm. So here's hoping all goes well for that. 
And that is Trek news for the week. Trek. I guess with that, it is time to get into the new Trek for the week. Are you ready to take that turbo lift to the lower decks, my friend? I can dig it. Let's talk about Trek, baby. The lower decks, baby. Let's talk about all the bad times, all the fun times that may be. Let's talk about Trek. Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 3. Uh, released on Thursday, September 8th, 2022, written by Brian D. Bradley, best known as a writer for several years on Mad TV. Oh, hell yeah. Right at the end of Mad TV. I love Actually, Mad TV. Honestly, like the last few years, the ones where like Key and Peele were writing for mm-hmm. them were actually pretty good, and he yeah, was yeah. around during that time. I also like the really early episodes. With like Artie Lang, like when he's oh, <laughs> when he's just coked out of his mind, yeah. the in, and just yelling his <laughs> entire sketch. Did oh, you ever yeah. see that uh, the sketch like that's my white mama? I don't where, think so. Where like a a woman gets hit by a car and her body goes into Artie Lang, and so then he just becomes like the matriarch. That's pretty great. So so it's weird because like they started out like doing race in a really funny way mm-hmm. because I think they had like a lot of black writers or something, but yeah. at some point, like, especially like the Miss Swan, shit yeah, the whatever, Miss Swan, yeah. it got like bad and cringe. Yeah. And then like, every, like it did every episode kind of just became just the, the, uh, character, the, uh, actors doing their, their bit. Yeah, characters yeah exactly. It was nonstop. Yeah. And it's just and like, Oh, it's Miss, Miss Swan. It was like, uh, uh, what fucking, uh, what impression is Frank Caliendo trying out this week? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they kind of got that too. Although, although he, uh, star. he yeah, star. <laughs> Stuart. Yeah. That's right. Stuart, that's Stuart, yeah, yeah. 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 Great. Uh, it was also directed by, uh, Mark. Sagadakra. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> best known as the storyboard artist. For Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the show visually looks a lot like Rick and Morty. I mean, it, it's produced by Mike McGann, who is mm-hmm. like the co-producer of Rick and Morty. Yeah. And the creator of Solar Opposites was kind of like a weird offshoot of Rick and Morty. And uh, that new show that just came out, you saw it, uh, Little Demon. That's oh, pretty, with that, Danny DeVito? That's very Rick and Morty as well, uh, but, but on the opposite end with like... I'm not a big fan of the animation. I'm not going to lie. No. <laughs> it's not... It's, it's. I don't know. It's not my favorite. But it has a, a guy who plays Rutherford in it. He plays a character. Oh, he? Okay. Yeah. I, like, I like Rutherford, all right. Yeah, he's also in... Um, I don't know if you ever watched uh, uh, The Good Place. I loved The Good Place. He was yeah. a pill boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Pill boy. Oh, I didn't... I, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so... We open on Genghis 4 with a Federation scientist doing a survey. Suddenly, he finds a glowing green orb. As he begins to examine it, a woman appears. She calls to him, and he recognizes the figure as his 7th grade geology teacher. He asks what she's doing there, and what she's doing there, especially wearing a toga. (laughs) But she uh, invites him to join her and tell her about a novel he's been writing about uh, race cars. Which is a funny idea. Uh, I'm going hear all about the race car novel you're writing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She reaches out to him, but as he contacts her, he turns into stone. Once he's fully petrified, a mysterious rock man figure looks on in satisfaction. (laughs) Opening credits. Very early opening credits. Only one minute and 23 seconds. I do like uh, the making fun of this whole trope because I, I always hate that in um, sci-fi. You know, they do it in like Event uh, Horizon mm-hmm. or any sort of like uh, sci-fi where like a character, uh, an implausible person from this person's past is somehow 
uh, there, there yeah. and they believe it without question. Yeah, which is like, <laughs> there is very few people who would be like, oh yeah, especially if they looked like the same as they did yeah. then. I'd be like, well, this is obviously my mind playing tricks on me or yeah. something. Like, I, I, I don't want to like, I don't, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I think I would... If I saw, if I saw like my seventh grade teacher, I would be like, no, that's not real. Yeah. And you're not like <laughs> mentally well, so to speak. I'm not mentally so. well or that <laughs> smart, but I think, I think I could, I think I would be like, huh, that doesn't make sense. This is, there's something, uh, there's something bad happening. And, but that seems to happen a lot. Like it happens in like, uh, you know, Vent Horizon when the woman sees her dead son and yeah, stuff. I mean, and it's, it's like, a trope in like all sci-fi. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of fantasy too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but fantasy, I get it, because, like, people back then were dumb. I assume people in the future are going to be smarter. Yeah, like, think about it logically. Like, obviously, this person's not here. <laughs> right, right. So after the credits, and, oh, I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast yet. Lower Decks has, and it's weird to me, Lower Decks has the best opening sequence and by far the best opening music mm-hmm. of any of the new track. Yeah. The, the music's great. It's the only, like, theme I can actually hum and yeah. remember out of the Star Trek shows. Yeah, like, well, yeah, Strange New Worlds, they have, like, all, like, five different themes all running against each other and competing. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels that's, like that that's song true. is... And no, it's so like... You can't... Mash up! Chopped <laughs> <Yeah>. and screwed! <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, just playing them all, and yeah, like this, like yeah, it has a song that you instantly recognize it as being okay. That's Lower Decks. And, yeah, yeah, but I and it's it's a good song. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's a fun, fun song. Yeah, and it's also a little funny opening where it shows them just running away from. Yeah, except from I I, I don't like the the big Rick and Morty alien stuck to their shit. Yeah, that's yeah, a little silly. You, it's a little Rick and Morty, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I got to play to the play to their strengths, I guess. Uh, play to play to that audience, I guess. That's that's <laughs> the cartoon audience out there. So yeah, I guess I think, play to them. Yeah, Rick, new Rick and Morty's coming out soonish, I think. Right. Oh yeah, they've been playing lots of fucking. They've been giving me targeted ads Same. to a lot of it, and it's like <laughs> it's like order from Wendy's on nine eleven and get some Rick and Morty gear. <laughs> I was just like, what? I'm gonna order from Wendy's on nine eleven <laughs> to get something from Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah. So it's it's been playing it with the um every every one of these previews has a song by Black Sabbath. Mm. Um, I think it's Paranoid. Yeah, it's mm. Paranoid. Oh, I haven't seen this. Oh yeah, and every time I'm like, man, this is a cool. This must have been a expensive to fucking <laughs> make this Rick and Morty preview. And then I just thought about how much money Rick and Morty has from like merchandising and shit. And it's a, it's got to be a dick ton. Oh yeah, yeah, merchandising. Yeah, they got a. I mean, they brought back a, a sauce from from, oh, the, from 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 McDonald's. Yeah, yeah so. if you can get McDonald's to do something, you have a weird cultural clout that doesn't mm-hmm. exist in any normal person's hands. Yeah, they just get the Black Sabbath songs. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like they're, they're fuck them. We'll pay them later. <laughs> yeah. we'll f- fuck them. We'll pay them if Geezer Butler complains. <laughs> just wait till he dies. And then... yeah. Ozzy does not know what's going on. No. He's not going to call his lawyers. Trust me. <laughs> um, He'll sign anything you put in front of him. Oh, this is autograph sharing. Sure. Uh, it's a, Contra autograph, sure. <laughs> Just some Rick and Morty guy in a wig pretending to be Sharon. <laughs> Sorry, Ozzy dear. <laughs> okay. Uh Captain's log, start date five eight two five six point two. 
Genghis 4 is a remote planet which was believed to be uninhabited until indigenous silicate creatures called the Scrubble started turning Federation scientists into statues. Captain Murakami of the USS Hood answered the distress call and brokered tentative peace. With the conflict resolved, the Cerritos and the Carlsbad are coordinating to relocate the outpost. On the Cerritos, in a meeting room, Jack Ransom is talking with Lieutenant Commander Steve Stevens and Ensign Beckett Mariner about common troubles for scientists, and Mariner asks if he's testing out his new stand-up routine. <laughs> uh, Stevens says his stand-up is more a raw, unfiltered take on dating and mating, which was a pretty fun joke. Yeah. And then Ransom tells them about the psychic minds uh, that can read one's deepest desires and turn them to stone that they must go down and remove from the planet. Mm. Since her mother, Captain Freeman, is hoping to make an impression on the crew of the Carlsbad, Ransom tells Mariner to follow Stephen's orders as if they were his own. And as we remember, uh, Ransom still like has... Uh, command over Mariner mm -hmm. instead of uh, ran, uh, Mariner's mom, mm -hmm. which is like, the captain. Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford meet up with Tendi and ask if she wants to go move a bunch of rocks, but she is about to start her first day of senior science officer training. Although she wishes she could join the others, they're all excited for her, as she's been preparing extensively for the upcoming training. She leaves and goes to the lounge saying, wish me luck. No, wait, wish me facts, <laughs> which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, in the lounge, she sees the ship's counselor, Dr. Miglimo, who is some kind of bird man. And it showed on a previous episode. Mm -hmm, yeah. But uh, he invites her to his table. Yeah, he's a ship counselor. He's like the ship's counselor. indeed. Yeah. Like, like Deanna Troy, but a bird. <laughs> and probably um, a better counselor than Deanna Troy. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Deanna Troy's allowed to sit at the fucking left hand of the captain. Mm -hmm. That's some, she's, she's good. She's good. I mean, Guinan was, was truly, you shut your mouth. was truly the you ship's shut, counselor. Yeah. <laughs> the bartender, that's a good therapist to have. Yeah, She sure. was though. She uh -huh. actually helped people. Shut up. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Deanna Troy just Yeah, she it. did. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Tenzi says she doesn't have time to talk, but, uh, Dr. Miglimo says he's actually her mentor, so she sits down with him. And uh, this is Paul F. Tompkins mm -hmm. playing the doctor. Your boy. Yeah. He's a lovely, charming fellow, mm -hmm. and I love him. <laughs> Thank you, Paul F. Tompkins. I love you. Yeah, he's really funny. He is. He is. Um, down on Genghis 4, the away team arrives and is greeted by Ensigns Kearns, Cordee, and Young of mm -hmm. the USS Carlsbad. Stevens assigns them to dismantle the outpost while the Cerritos crew disables the fantasy rocks, uh, as he calls them, which are the psychic minds, but warns them that the minds are still active and can read one's fantasies. Uh, Boimler asks what to do if that happens, but Stevens says to think about Parisi squares. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't understand. Did you? What? It's like a game that they have. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I didn't get that reference. I, mm -hmm. gotta, I, I, I didn't look it up. I should have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, like, kind of a little board game. Okay. I yeah. see. Fair. Mm. Stevens leaves and Mariner introduces the Cerritos. Or wait, isn't it the. Is it? It's Parisi Squares. What's a Parisi Square? Tell me what's a Parisi Square. 
paths. Can you find out what a Parisi square is for us? <laughs> oh no, it's yeah, it's the athletic one. Yeah, that's right. It's a, uh, it's like the, uh, it's their sport that they play. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it's like think about baseball. Yeah, I think about it. baseball. I get it. Okay, that's what Parisi squares. <laughs> they, I think maybe they should have said think about uh, what was the fucking racquetball game they played on the last episode. Mm. Yeah. Or two oh, ep- yeah. 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 Maybe that. That would have been a more uh, uh, <laughs> relevant reference, perhaps. So. Stevens leaves, and Mariner introduces the Cerritos crew to the Carlsbad crew, but they don't don't seem too thrilled to work with them. Mariner tries to build camaraderie, but they only seem interested in their own work and their own orders. Kearns tells the Cerritos crew that they've heard all about them, and they aren't here to screw around. Mm -hmm. Mariner is baffled by the crew's behavior, but the rest of the Cerritos crew suspects their ship has a bad reputation within Starfleet. Back in the Cerritos Lounge, Tendi is getting to know Dr. Meglimo, asking if he's ever trained another science officer before. He says that he hasn't, but briefly skims his pad to get familiar with the training. Tendi asks how hard she's, uh, says how hard she's been studying, but Meglimo does not seem to care. Tendi is eager to take a test, but Meglimo says that being a senior science officer is more about being the voice of science than about taking tests, even though she wants to. Mm-hmm. He asks if what she knows matters if nobody's listening and says captains have big egos that science officers need to be able to cut through and inasmuch she'll be serving under Captain Freeman as a trainee. Meglimo challenges Tendi to get the captain's attention and give her an opposing viewpoint much to Tendi's discomfort. Yeah. You ever you ever told your boss fuck you? Yes. Yeah. Almost yeah, in Baltimore, almost got I got <laughs> got written up. Cool. <laughs> yeah, like they the guy I, want the guy wanted to proof biscuits. I was like, you don't proof biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, I I I I told leadership to go fuck themselves very often at Whole Foods. <laughs> to the point like, oh man, there were there were some times. I, I hated Whole Foods so much. That's the worst job I've ever had. Butthole but Whole Foods. Yeah, fuck Whole Foods. Steal from Whole Foods. I stole from there the other I stole from Walmart <laughs> yesterday. I'll tell you why. Uh so I went to Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh get I always get printer ink at Walmart. Or yeah. not not Walmart, sorry, Fred Meyer. Mm-hmm. I always get printer ink at Fred Meyer just because it's like near and I know that's the place that'll pretty much always have it. Yeah, they have everything. Yeah, right. So I, I go there and get printer ink. I come home and I put it in and it's like it says the cartridge is like empty and it it does it recognizes mm-hmm. it but it says it's empty. And I'm like, what? And I look at it and kind of look at some things online. I determined that the, the pin set in it is like offset and like so it's an electronic thing that I can't really fix and so I gotta go take it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I go take it back. I go to their fucking customer service. I'm like, hey. Uh, and uh, so I I go and get a new one, right? Mm-hmm. And I have the old one still in all of its packaging. Mm-hmm. And I have the receipt from earlier that day, like yeah. three hours earlier, two mm-hmm. hours earlier, like very, very, very soon, therefore. And so I like bring it back and I'm like, hey, um, I need to uh, like exchange this. Uh, and she's like, um, hmm. I don't think we take open ink. And I'm like, huh. Well, I mean, it was a defective product or. Yeah, I mean, it didn't and I, work. And like, I have a receipt from it was, t- today. Yeah. Uh, and, and she's like, huh. Uh, 
One second, she like calls the manager. A few seconds, and she hangs up. She's like, "Yeah, we don't take, um, we don't, we don't take uh, like uh, open ink cartridges." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, you got to open it up to see if it's defective." <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, and I, I say, I say, I literally say, I'm like, "It's, but I mean, it's it's defective. Like it's electronically defective. I can show you like online where it's defective, why it's defective." Like this is a defective product that you you sold me. Is are you sure? And she's like, "Yeah." My manager says no. I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and so I, I I take both products. I have one in my hand with the receipt, and the other in my left hand, which is the one that doesn't work. And I throw the one that doesn't work in the trash, and I walk out of the store. <laughs> uh, fuck Fred Meyer. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna shop at Fred Meyer. But you know what? I'm definitely going to steal from Fred Meyer. There you go. I'm going to steal from Fred Meyer more often now. You have to definitely get uh, your... That's get... actually the first time I've ever stolen from Fred Meyer. And the reason is because they were like part of the same union that I was in. And I'm like, mm. I don't, I don't want to make any unionized worker have to deal with this. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> Fuck Fred Meyer. I'm going to steal from them <laughs> from now on. They're, they're, they're owned by Kroger. Big shitty corporation. Fuck mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, so... Back on the planet, Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford are disposing of the mines when Rutherford sees an illusion of Leah Brahms, who's uh, played by, what was her, C- Susan? Uh, Digby? Yeah. Or, yeah, Gibgy. Gib- yeah. Gibney? Yeah, yeah they, the actual Leah Brahms from um, the episode. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Great, great. Um, yeah. I'm glad they I'm glad they can actually convince a lot of these actors to reprise their roles from, that is awesome. <laughs> from yeah. 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wh- what else are these like fucking bit television actors yeah. doing? Like most of these people like the biggest gig they ever got was like a a medium part on like a soap opera and then yeah. their career never really happened. It was so. like probably 15 minutes at most for them yeah, to work. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, we're going to pay you $5,000 to do like four lines." They're probably like <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, let me ask my agent if that's enough money. Like, just come on. And they just put, put, and they just pick up a brick that they're using, pretending to a cell phone. <laughs> they say yes. <laughs> yeah, I got him on the other line. <laughs> I got him on the other brick. Line. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, we got Leah Brahms here as a fantasy mm-hmm. uh, who invites Rutherford uh, to help her design engines for a Galaxy Class starship. Uh, Boimler notices uh, him struggling and is confused that this would be Rutherford's deep fantasy, while Mariner remains bothered by the Carlsbad ensigns, oh, how the Carlsbad ensigns treated them before. As the Cerritos has been involved with some notable shenanigans in the past, resulting mm-hmm. Hijinks. in a seemingly bad reputation, we don't say that for this show. That's only <laughs> for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, she challenges them to show how efficient they are as a crew in their work. Though Boimler notes how in sync the Carlsbad crew seems to be. However, when Kearns appears smug in their work, they all agree to pick up the pace. They begin to quickly gather up the mines, doing their best to block out their fantasies, including Leobrom's inviting Rutherford to, quote, increase gravimetric power limits all night long, which was a great... (laughs) Great line. Uh, and Boimler almost falls for his when an admiral alerts him of a Borg attack that Starfleet needs help with. Uh, after Mariner intervenes, asking if he's actually riding in a sidecar in his fantasy, <laughs> uh, he says driving is scary, and besides, he's a natural passenger. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she suddenly sees... It's actually cooler to be the passenger if you think about it. You have to do anything. That's true. Yeah. Is it? I don't <laughs> no. think that's true. <laughs> I've uh, always wanted to ride in a sidecar. I never have a, I've never had an opportunity. Yeah, it seems fun, right? Yeah. Especially like with a, dangerous. with a big scarf <laughs> and like the goggles and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be fun as hell, man. Yeah, I mean, I get. Yeah, I mean, I guess like I if, feel like it's not that dangerous if like you're like fat and the guy and the, mm-hmm. the other thing is like really light, and so there's like a definitely a balance mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I mean, I guess that would be my fantasy where I'd be driving the motorcycle and then I would have like a really cool dog wearing yeah. goggles. And no, a, no, 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 no. Think about this. Think about this. You're in the sidecar, mm-hmm. and your dog, dog is, is riding the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, dude. What? I mean, that's basically like every big dog shirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you either ride with the big dog or you ride alone. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that shirt exists. I've, I've, I, I want. I wish I could find more big dog shirts dude, and like dude, and like. Uh, are you Goodwill. kidding? Me? Oh, Goodwill. Yeah. I mean, big do they dogs still sell good. They, they still sell them. Big dog's still a company and still makes tons of shirts. Oh my god, I should get one. I bet, dude. If there's big dog Star Trek shirts. You know, you know what the uniform is for the show from now on. I have no problem with that. I agree. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not giving you a choice. It's either that or you don't like enter my house. <laughs> I'll, I'll supply the uniform, but if you don't come in it, you don't come to work, buddy. <laughs> Just point a gun at me. Like, put the big dog shirt on. Put on the uniform, Patrick. <laughs> it's like you've replaced all my clothes with big dog shirts. <laughs> <laughs> you replaced everything in my house with its equivalent in big dog merchandise. I don't, even, I don't even have glasses anymore. They're just big dog mugs. <laughs> I can't trick everything out of a 12 ounce mug. God damn it. <laughs> but my TV is just like, like it's a, like a small big. TV, but it's like a dog, the big dog with his, with like pointing his like sunglasses down. Like you better watch this motherfucker. <laughs> Dude. I love the big dog. <laughs> Taking his sunglasses down in a threatening way. That's that, <laughs> yeah. shit, that shit gets me horny. He's dude. just like, you watching this? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, what you gonna do about it? I'm a dog. So I, I'm, I'm guessing, a dog wearing sunglasses. <laughs> so I'm got, I'm starting to see what uh, I was going to ask. What you think your fantasy would be that would appear? Mm. I'm getting. I think I just fit, found out without asking. It's just like oh, big dog everything, <laughs> 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 and everyone is wearing big dog. Just like. <laughs> Just like there's just a door yeah. and like my door, like someone rings my doorbell and I go to the, the fantasy door and open it up and it's just like a bunch of packages and they all say like from big dog yeah. to Britain, just like a bunch of Adidas track suits. And, that's it. and the UPS driver is the big dog. <laughs> he's like, live long and prosper, Britain. And like, just nut and then I you can't turn work when I'm coming this hard. <laughs> Ooh, um, as the Cerritos has been involved with some notable shenanigans. Oh no, we already got that. Uh, to uh, the so the fo- what would your what would your fantasy be? Do you think? Um. Oh, well, as I said, like, the dog driving the motorcycle. That. Oh yeah. That was right. Or um, or just being in bed and sleeping. <laughs> Like, I would just, like, there would just be, like, a giant bed, and then I would never have to leave it. Yeah. <laughs> like, your your fantasy is, like, you just, like, wake up, and you're, like, oh, I don't have to work today. Yeah. I, I get, just go I get back a, to bed. I get, a, I get a phone call that my job burned down. <laughs> and then I'm just, like. It's, like, 
No, no, it's like every every day you wake up, it's like, hey, hey Patrick, uh, the job burned down. But here, here, well, hold up. Here's here's the good news. Uh, all the insurance for some reason is in your name. So, uh, you uh, four million dollars, Patrick, and you're like. Bum, bum, bum. Then I just go back to sleep. <laughs> Saxophone solo. <laughs> you wake up later in the afternoon and like you just pick up the phone and you're like, I want to hire a clown. <laughs> Operator, get me the clown college. <laughs> yeah, yes. I want your valedictorian. <laughs> Do clown colleges have like are they on the Greek system? Do you think are there clown hmm. fraternities? I don't know. I've I want to join clown college because I I'm already juggling. I'm studying unicycle. Uh-huh. Like I like I feel like I'm sort of like a, a Ronin clown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like I'm I'm like a clown without a master. Like I'm I'm training myself. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, the autodidact clown. <laughs> yeah, I'm just some Ronin clown right now, and uh, oh. I, I, th- I, but I feel like I need like a clown master, and I should probably look in. That seriously. sounds kinky. <laughs> <laughs> well, master me, clown. <laughs> uh, uh, so we just figured out your fantasy. I Damn it. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm getting domed by a big dog wearing sunglasses <laughs> and you're getting domed by a clown. That's, you know, yeah. I think we got to the, the bottom of this. Ah, damn it. Fuck. I thought like, I was a top up until this we're, podcast. We're, we're just cut open and laid raw on this, <laughs> on this for everyone to hear. This is our, I mean, we can't afford therapy. No. And we're white, so we're doing <laughs> podcasting about yeah. it, you know. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> suddenly Mariner sees uh, Jennifer. Um. Yeah, the hot Andorian on the ship in a bikini, mm-hmm. inviting her to go uh, to watch her go yell at Ransom about how annoying he is. <laughs> but she says she'd rather wait for the real version back on the ship, and he calls her babe. And Boimler's like, "Are you babing now?" And she's like, "Yeah, I guess." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, it's." Uh, Boimler says, "It's so so good to see you having a girlfriend, and uh, not not fucking everything up like usual." Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, "Oh, it's not my girlfriend." Um. Boimler and Rutherford start to tease her about her fantasy, and she tries to tell them to ignore the inaccurate fantasies, though she's visibly embarrassed at wanting a hot Andorian girlfriend. <laughs> As she's leaving, Jennifer invites Mariner to go look at the wharf core with her and Leah. Mm. Also, she does say, so I was like, I'm your girlfriend. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, and she's like, like, I'm not into labels. And she's like, I'm okay with being your hot Andorian girlfriend. <laughs> um, on the Cerritos, Tendi enters the conference room where Freeman is talking to Ransom about how young Carlsbad Captain Mayer looks. Ransom notes how word has it that he's on the fast track to become captain of a galaxy-class ship, which is like what you want to be in Starfleet. Those mm-hmm. are the good-ass ships. Apparently, they have uh, they have the DS9 uniforms. Do they? Yeah, because like uh, it showed. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it showed uh, fucking Riker in mm-hmm. Titans Galaxy class. Yeah, and uh, and also the um, other uh, ship that actually did the hard work in the beginning of this episode. They were wearing. Uh, oh yeah, DS Nine yeah. era uniforms. Yeah, those are cool uniforms. I love the I gray. Like yeah. yeah, I need to get one myself. Yeah, they used the DS Nine era uniforms on um, Star Trek. Insurrection, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. or was it, or was it, was it, or was it 
first contact. I think it was first contact. Mm. They used the DS9 uniforms and um, fucking uh, Jonathan Frakes had to wear Avery Brooks. Oh, and uh, Generations he wore. Generations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was uh, slightly too small on him. So like the whole time his arms are just really short on his uniform <laughs> <Yeah>. inexplicably. <laughs> and it's really funny. Yeah. And they did it to cut costs, but it's like noticeably weird in the film. Yeah. Uh, they mix, mixed and matched the uniforms of that because they apparently didn't have enough for everybody. And so well, it looks so, awful. So I think the only ones who got original ones were Marina Sirtis and Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like they didn't even give Riker's own uniform. He's like my size. He's like six four. Like yeah. nothing's gonna fit on him unless you make it for him. Yeah. Like and it looked weird. It was funny. Otherwise, he's just looking like a young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for certain. Um. So, uh, Tendi frantically tries to tell Freeman about what she studied of the Scrubble from the logs of Captain Murakami, but Freeman ignores her and greets Mayor who. Uh, and greets Mayor. Um, well, most of the negotiations have concluded. Mayor is curious to see how old school Freeman concludes everything, which offends her. While she questions the remark, Shax escorts the Federation scientist, Dr. Holden, or like Dr. Holden Weed, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and I, who I think is also played by um, Paul F. Tompkins, enters, uh, mm-hmm. and Scrubble. Yeah, he's also um, Ensign Young, the. Um the uh one of the other ensigns from um, yeah yeah who's not on this episode and oh he's not no he's um one of the um Carlsbad um oh is he mm-hmm. oh Paul F Tompkins is mm-hmm. oh I didn't notice that yeah he's uh he's the guy the the alien oh who's like I, I I think I dislocated I, I, my wait. lower groin my <laughs> main groin yeah 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 uh so the scrubble representative also enters the conference room who appears to be the uh shadowy villain from the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in the heat, uh, midst of a heated debate with Dr. Holden. Um, the scrubble are angered that the scientists don't seem to respect them as living people, but Freeman and Mayer claim, uh, calm them down and offer them refreshments while they show the agreed upon treaty to them. And there's a big ass thing of guacamole there. But there's always guacamole in the show. I kind of like that. That's yeah. a fun, like, it's not even really a comic motif. It's just like people like guac- guacamole is great. Yeah. I love guacamole. Uh, the scrubble, well, you're vegan, so that's like the only way you can get protein. Um, besides, like I love avocado sushi. Besides, and, like sucking penis. That's true. Sucking a cum, load of cum out. <laughs> Loading the cum out. It'd be better if it was it was guacamole. Just like if you if you came guacamole, is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah. Dude, then you're always that's just fuck, that's fucked up, man. Then you're always just carrying like portable guacamole with you if you. If you but but I feel like if if cum was guacamole, wouldn't guacamole be cum at that point? And so like mm. it'd be popular to like make nachos with a bunch of cum on it. <laughs> and I don't. Finally, my time has come. <laughs> <laughs> my time is guacamole, as they'll say in the future. I mean, I already get that because you know I put vegan cheese on nachos, and people are like, "It's fucking tastes terrible." <laughs> vegan cheese, and I'm just like. I mean, it it takes it takes. So I found with vegan cheese, the best nachos mm-hmm. are when you make like fucking gutter ass like Seven Eleven nachos, and you make your own cheese sauce. Yeah, the the queso. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you make your own queso, because like it's pretty much indistinguishable from the Seven Eleven stuff. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. so especially like if you put like a bunch of chili powder and shit in mm-hmm. it, and like make it nice and spicy. Yeah, because like you know you just you make a nice roux, mm-hmm. uh, and you put like any kind of 
like almond milk or anything like that in there. Thicken that up a little bit. A little bit of, of veggie stock. Yeah. Give it some nice umamame, umame mm-hmm. boldness. Mm-hmm. Put some fucking vegan cheese up in there. You know, a little bit of smoked, uh, a <laughs> little bit of liquid smoke. Gotta get that nutritional yeast. Oh, pour some fucking rotel up in there at the end. Mm. You know, don't pour it in at the the beginning because like. Actually, I guess there's no dairy in there, so the dairy wouldn't separate. I don't know. Yeah, yeah okay. So, I mean, yeah, and it's super, super easy. I fucking yeah. love nachos. I'm sure they eat a lot of nachos in the future. Yeah, I mean, they eat in uh, Lower Decks, they pretty much eat uh, nachos in every single scene. They're in, they're in the the uh, commissary and stuff. Yeah. Like, Are we calling it the commissary now? Or is that what? It's a lounge. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the lounge. Bar, bar, yeah. bar lounge. Barca lounger. Yeah. It's the Barca Lounger. Yeah, they always seem to be eating nachos, and I like the giant-ass bowl of guacamole they had. It'd be funnier if they made um, more references to uh, Nacho Libre, <laughs> the the 2002 two film with Jack Black. Mm. Nacho! <laughs> It'd be funny if they said that a lot. It'd be funny <laughs> if that's, like, the only comedy film that they remember in the future mm-hmm. is Nacho Libre, like a film that everyone already forgot. Well, it's not... It's not um, it's not a uh, free free use yet, so it won't appear until maybe true. true. They, so another says, fifty years. You're or saying so. they made those scenes; they just had to remove them for copyright <laughs> yeah. things for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. copyright violations. So that's why they always have to use like the old so, films. So the director's cut that comes out fifty years from now, after everyone <laughs> involved in Nacho Libre's long day and their estates have been paid off for fucking years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and when when uh, yeah when Nacho Libre becomes fair fair use, and then it just appears in everything. We can make finally get the sequel we all been waiting for, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's hopefully a, I'm still alive for it. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> gonna be weird. Like when technology and like the way we make entertainment kind of catches up. With, oh, I've been I mean, thinking about this a lot actually because no? I've been thinking about like how I mean the deep fake stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just we're just every single movie is going to be deep fake. Oh yeah, I mean eventually every movie is going to be basically like CGI. Mm-hmm. It might be voice acted by famous people, but like what it means to be a famous person is already morphing into something yeah. very weird and different from what it used to be. And you know, there's just like I think going to be a weird sector of people who are just public people. You know, maybe one or two percent of people who are just there to be fucking village idiots and court jesters <laughs> and, and get paid for it, which is yeah, fine. I'm down for that. That's what I want to be actually. Oh, that's why you want to go to clown college. That's why I want to go to clown oh, college. Okay. <laughs> I want to be, I want to be one of the goofs who jaunts around and oh. does a little, does a little. I, I'm, I, I think if you know what the word jaunt is, you can not be really a goof really. I'm sorry. Oh, that's too smart. Oh shit! <laughs> you, say, you want to be a goof who goofs around. I want to goof. I want to be a goof that goofs around and does goofy goofing. Yeah, you know, people throw trash at me. <laughs> go, go, yeah. Hey, hey, goofy shoes! You're wearing two goofy shoes, you dumbass. Here, here's my McDonald's bag, goofy shoes, and also four dollars with it. That's the thing. Like that street theater, it's going to be the only real thing. Like everything else is going to be like you're going to be watching. A movie with you're gonna be street theater. Yeah, like street the, theater. The the only kind of towns are like the the, the like the big five lane towns now. <laughs> the only street you're gonna be able to set up on is like a highway. I'll be in the middle of the highway on a, <laughs> on a unicycle. Like, Fuck you, Hong Kong. And they're just throwing their trash at you. I'm done. What I just want. Are you not entertained? <laughs> and I'll just be and then like I'll just get hit by a sixteen wheeler and die. 
There you go. <laughs> Just make money on insurance payments once every two years. <laughs> yeah. Like it would be better than all the deep faked manufa- like weird ass Marvel movie type oh God. like part eighty eight thousand that we're gonna get. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just gonna get like 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 um what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. will be like dead for like thirty years, but he'll still be like Iron Man. Oh yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're gonna have a movie starring him in Tupac at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like they're just gonna buy like the um the, uh, the likeness like, the likeness rights of everybody, and then just like so we're just gonna get like all these different actors from different eras just all together in different things, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be awful. God, you know, the, like the moment um fucking. His music goes into the the public domain. Prince is going to rise again from the grave. <laughs> I and hope Jesus. So. Yeah, it's gonna be. <laughs> he's gonna be like, "Don't you dare take my music." Yeah. I hope he did get in heaven because he he was a Jehovah's Witness. Right? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, only I, like, I hope none of them get into heaven. Only like two, and according to them, only like two thousand or something like actually get into heaven or something. Some some ridiculously small number. So it sounds like heaven's already full. So what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like why bother trying to recruit new people? Because they could potentially, if they're if it's not full, they could potentially take your space. Right. True. That's so, fucked up. So yeah. I feel like if anything, you would be convincing people to leave. But that's that's the thing is it's it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Where they they get other people and they like think the more people they recruit, but the mm. thing is like there's always another level above them. Yeah. Always in the, in, at the top? Jesus Christ. <laughs> if they worship Jesus Christ, is that who they worship? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> was the chirp, the per- Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? Oh, okay. So, yes. Yeah, you're right. They do. Uh, so the sc- I just know about the small number of people that actually get in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Scrubble happily accept the greeting from the captains and offer a sacred scrubble totem in the form of a small rock pyramid. It's just like, looks like a big pile of mud. <laughs> Freeman accepts the token and in turn offers it to Mayer for his personal collection, though he declines offering it to Freeman instead. Freeman insists for him to take it, but they in turn begin to quarrel over who gets to keep the object. On Genghis 4, Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford are working efficiently to clean up the mines, blocking out their fantasies, easily outpacing the crew of the Carlsbad, much to Kern's frustration, hmm. causing one of them to pull his dominant groin. Hmm. Mariner does a dunk with a fantasy rock into the container they're being kept in, and Stevens comes up and tells her not to treat them like a basketball, as they're dangerous. Mariner simply tells him that they don't want the crew of the Carlsbad to make Ransom look like an ineffectual leader. She said that they said Ransom's core is weak, <laughs> and this infuriates Stevens, uh, who's like a huge simp for Ransom. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows he's got those lava tubes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Angered by the insults towards Ransom, Stevens rushes to get two mines into the container, but accidentally knocks it over, spilling and breaking a few mines. Uh, They ask what's going to happen if the mines are broken, and while Stevens believes nothing bad will happen, except for maybe a really big fantasy, an illusion of a uh, cuculon appears and dives at Stevens. (laughs) Stevens is grabbed and turned into stone before Mariner fires her phaser at the creature, causing it to drop 
and uh, causing the statue of Stephen's arms to break off in the process. As the Carlsbad crew witnesses what's going on, Boimler theorizes that the minds are now reading their worst nightmares <laughs> rather than their fantasies. As he speaks, a Borg snake appears <laughs> alongside a uh, tentacled raisin monster, which was really funny, <laughs> yeah. calling back to Boimler, mm-hmm. and Klingon clowns with batlets for arms, <laughs> which was actually fucking hilarious. I yeah. really like this scene. It yeah. was uh, fun playing with Trek lore. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that they they would show like a species other other than a humanoid being rep, um uh assimilated like because uh, yeah. you think they they like given how far the Borg has traveled they would have some like non, yeah reptilian non, species or something sort of yeah and like non humanoid yeah because they species. always always seem to like pick basically humans yeah you don't even see like with nose ridges and shit. No, I don't think I've seen a, a Klingon Borg of you. There was a Klingon Borg and uh, episode of Voyager. Oh. Remember when um uh, Jer- uh seven of nine went into that like uh, space where like the their all their Borg consciousnesses lived, and like they were as as themselves. Oh, was that like one of that's season six or season seven? Yeah, it's like one of the later ones. Yeah, yeah like okay. I, I vaguely remember that. It's been a while. Yeah, like uh, there was, but there was, was, it was Klingon Borg though. Yeah, there was a, like, there was a Klingon in the space, and I think they briefly show him as a Borg, like because huh. he it was able to regain his um his uh, self control and, oh, okay. and of his body. Yeah, sick. But yeah, that's the, I think the only one. But everyone else, yeah, is just a human. <laughs> as the two away teams flee from their nightmares, Mariner leads them into a cave while she tries to fight them off with her phaser. The illustration of Chiron compliments her on her, uh, sorry, the illusion of Chiron compliments her good aim, but it's suddenly grabbed by a huge werewolf of Chiron <laughs> and ripped in half. Boimler grabs her before she can be attacked, and after they enter the cave, Rutherford collapses the entrance with his phaser to keep the illusions at bay, though they quickly begin to dig through the rubble. Mariner unsuccessfully tries to hail the Cerritos with her combatch. Uh, Cordy is sure that they'll be penalized for their actions, but Mariner admits that she'll be the only one penalized as she had them rush to their task. Young asks why, since they had all day to complete their task, and Mariner tells them that they were trying to keep up with them. Boimler also replies that while the Cerritos may not have a favorable reputation, it is still a great ship to serve on. But this leaves the Carlbad away team speechless. They reveal that it was actually them who were trying to rush their task and impress the Cerritos crew because of the favorable reputation of the Cerritos among other California-class starships, much to this disbelief of Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford. That's why at this point I thought this episode was going to take a much different turn. How so? I thought it was going to turn out that the Carlsbad crew Uh were actually also fantasies oh. like oh that like they, they, they were going to they were going to uh come out of the cave and then see like the original carlsbad crew as um oh. as, as statues because oh. <laughs> like and then like they turned out that the, and it turned out like the the ones that they were hanging out with in the cave were, that's interesting were actually their fantasy yeah because yeah. like being they're they're but, you know but they were seeing nightmares at the time so that oh uh, well uh, they're, they're kind of seeing both like uh yeah well yeah and we'll yeah yeah Explains. Oh yeah, explain. But yeah, I thought it was gonna be funny. Like that turns out, like you know, like maybe like Kearns uh, starts you know hitting on Mariner, but then like they see like she actually has like underneath her hair has like 
the um, Klingon clown wig or something uh, like that. That, that would have been pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Back in the Cerritos, Mayor and Freeman are still trying to convince one another to take the Scrubble Totem. When Mayor, with Mayor saying he doesn't collect fantasy trinkets, and Freeman arguing that it's a normal rock. She and Tendi scan the totem, and she detects some curious readings, much to Freeman's annoyance. <laughs> Ransom intervenes and tries to move the meeting along, but Freeman and Mayer ignore him and continue fighting over who will take the object. Discouraged, Tendi leaves the conference room. Back in Genghis 4, Carl's bad crew talk about how famous the Cerrito is, calling her the Enterprise of Support Ships due to her encounters with the Packlets from the previous seasons, among other notable events. Kearns, Cordee, and Young admit that upon finding out they would be working alongside such a recognizable crew, they felt intimidated and just wanted to show that they could keep up with them. And Mariner tells them that they did more than just keep up. <laughs> As she says this, the illusions break through the rubble and begin to attack them. The Borg snake shoots a basketball at Rutherford, much to his confusion. <laughs> As basketball is neither a nightmare nor fantasy of Rutherford, and he doesn't, uh, and he hasn't even thought of basketball until Stevens mentioned it earlier, Boimler looks outside and sees a bunch of strange illusions that make no sense to him. They realize that the psychic minds are reading far more than just their fears and desires. They detect uh, whatever is collecting data towards the end of the cave and walk towards it. Also, is that a thing? like you know um, they established like baseball? Mm. is no longer a popular sport does basketball survive or no apparently so hmm. so there there are I mean, basketball is a better sport than baseball that's true it's more entertaining like definitely way more entertaining yeah like like basketball is like an actual sport baseball is like an <laughs> excuse to like go drink beer yeah somewhere for four hours mm. yeah i wonder if that's why i kind of like lost favor because like you know, they just have Sucks. they have yeah. the they just have synth ale and <laughs> oh yeah, right. It's no longer fun to just sit there and watch like uh, people hit a, hit that tiny ball. Right. I mean, there's still like you know weird stands for it, like Benjamin Cisco. Yeah. And, I mean, you're wearing a fucking Niners cap. I am wearing my Niners cap. Yeah, and yeah, and take me out to the holodeck's one of my favorite episodes. So. It's, a, it's a real fun one. <laughs> In sickbay, Dr. Tiana is reading a, or treating a patient with an alien parasite that is digesting his foot. <laughs> she says he'll be fine uh, while she calls out for a sedative. Tindy gives one to her, much to her confusion. She knows her senior science officer training was supposed to start with Meglimo today and realizes that it's not going well as Tindy would have liked and asks if Tindy has shit the bed. Tendi expresses doubt that she's capable of becoming a senior science officer when she can't get the captain to even listen to her. Tiana reassures her that she's capable, and Tendi says that despite all her study, she's still failing at it. Tiana commends her for her studies, but tells her that in reality, there will be times she will need to mess things up before anything can be fixed like how she'll need to amputate her patient's foot before growing a new replacement. Tiana remains certain that Tendi will be a great bridge officer one day, but that she will need to accept the risk of failure in order to get there. Regaining her confidence, Tendi thanks Tiana and leaves. Tiana's patient asks if Tiana was just kidding about amputating his foot in order to get her point across, 
before she pulls out a chainsaw. <laughs> Which is like, you wouldn't need that. No. You, not in the future. You wouldn't need, you ha- you'd have something like a lightsaber or something that can immediately like cauterize yeah. or something. It would have been funny though if she did like take like the chainsaw out of a, um, out of a, uh, sanitary like packet <laughs> that, oh, they keep, yeah. that they keep like keep like disposable uh, oh yeah what a single-use chainsaw <laughs> yeah single-use chainsaw uh, you know i pack a chainsaw <laughs> what you know I'll i take a foot raw what <laughs> man and that'd be funny if like uh if they if like with all their uh future if their instruments you know they were playing like uh covers of of uh of uh, Limp, Limp, Limp Biscuit songs. That would be good. <laughs> we always like Limp Biscuit songs on anything. Yeah. They should make more 2000s references. Those are those will make sense in the future. Yeah. Lots, lots of sense. Back on Genghis 4, the Ensigns come upon a door towards the end of the cave they're in. They're like, a door? That's normal for a <laughs> cave. They open it, locating the receiver and some storage technology. They realize that the device is storing all their thoughts from their desires and fears to more confidential data such as passwords, clearance codes, and personal information. They also discover that the technology is all Federation standard and conclude that the outpost scientists must have installed it, but can't understand why before realizing that Scrubble and scientists are actually working in league with one another. Those sons of fucking bitches. Those rock... <laughs> Dumb bastards. (laughs) Mariner tries once again to hail the Cerritos, but is unsuccessful. Realizing they have no other way out, Mariner tells the Carlsbad they are getting the full Cerritos experience and throws them a crystal shard. Armed with makeshift weapons, they charge out of the cave and begin to fight off the illusions as they try and hail their ships, but keep uh, doing their hails at the same time and keep getting confused. Tendi arrives back in the conference room where Freeman and Mayer are still arguing over the totem to the point where Ransom orders Shax to cut it in half with a phaser. <laughs> um, the suggestion of, offends the Scrubble ambassador, much to the annoyance of the scientist, who suggests going back to get another totem. Tendi's anxiety grows as everyone continues to argue over one another and it doesn't help when Mariner, Boimler, and Kearns enter the room, adding to the commotion as they try to reveal their discovery about the uh, the scientists and the scrubble to them. As the tension and confusion mounts, Tendi snaps and tells everyone to shut up before smashing the totem into pieces. Very untendy-like. Mm-hmm. Freeman is shocked by her actions, but Tendi tells everyone to look at the rock as hidden within it is a Federation technology. Tendi confirms that the readings she detected earlier were that of an internal power source. Mariner then informs the room of the secret allegiance between the Scrubble and the scientists and the technology they use to read minds and store information. This is like a Salesforce or like Google Ads, basically. Oh, yeah. And I swear those things do read my mind. They do. I mean... <laughs> It's also like your FBI agent. But, oh, yeah. You know, it's a whole team. They got a whole team on you. Yeah. He's like looking around my room and he's like, oh, shit. Pat needs this. It's like, he needs some <laughs> new cum socks. Damn. It's like, oh, God, he needs more toilet paper. Oh, don't, 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 don't use the bath mat. No, no, God. <laughs> not, the, not the dog. No. Not the dog. No. 
Uh, Freeman and Mayer realized that the totem was actually a spy device that the Scrubble scientists hoped to utilize to obtain top-secret information from either one of the captain's ships. The scientist and Scrubble ambassador deny the accusations nervously and try to leave, only to be stopped by Shax, who sets them down in front of Freeman and Mayer, who are eager now to mm-hmm. start the meeting. <laughs> Captain's Log Supplemental. The animosity between the Scrubble and Outpost 76 scientists was a manufactured deception designed to distract from their plan to collect and sell sensitive Starfleet intelligence on the black market. Apparently, the scientists wanted to purchase better equipment and the Scrubble wanted more... rocks? I don't get how that would... whatever. Anyway, they'll both be answering to a Federation tribunal. In recognition of their excellent teamwork, Captain Mayer and I have authorized a small celebration for our combined crews. I thought that was a pretty funny... Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. In the Cerritos Lounge, Stevens, who has been restored to the flesh alongside his arms and casts, is trying unsuccessfully to flirt with another officer before she leaves him. Poor Stevens. Mm-hmm. Dr. McLemo orders a couple drinks for Tendi and himself in celebration of her first successful day of training. Tendi acknowledges that she would not have been successful without a great mentor in Tiana, though Meglimo assumes her to be talking about him. He offers a toast to his mentorship and to a lesser extent to Tendi's actions in saving the day. Mayer offers an apology to Freeman for his earlier... Uh, um, I read that wrong, sorry. Uh... Mayor offers an apology to Freeman, hoping Freeman doesn't think less of him for his earlier actions. Freeman assures him that both he and the crew of the Carlsbad impressed her greatly and offers him a shard of the fractured totem, assuring him that the spyware inside has been neutralized. He accepts it, though asks if she's certain. She assures him in return that she kept the bigger half for herself. <laughs> At another table, Kern tells Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford that they all lived up to their reputations. Noting that while they may not be recognized across the fleet, the Cerritos is among the most famous of the California class. She notes that the only reputation that is questionable is that of Boimler, who is often told about in the stories as a tiny comedic robot who always <laughs> gets into trouble. Which I thought was pretty fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they all laugh at his reputation while Boimler pleads for them to tell everyone he's not a robot. <laughs> he's a real boy. That's the end of the episode! What do you think of episode three, Mr. Pat, Pat, Pat? It was funny. I liked it. Yeah, um, yeah I thought this was prob- uh, probably the strongest episode this season so far. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, like, uh, I just wish it did. Uh, the, uh, the Carlsbad and Sinsen t- turned out to be... Um, uh, uh, fantasy, fantasy creations. That would have been interesting. And then, uh, but then they but, save the real ones, and then like the real ones are impressed. And oh like, yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, like, no, no, we thought you were great the whole time. That would have actually been cool, interesting writing. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, but you know, they, they writers can't be perfect. Yeah, because I also, cause I also feel like you know, it's, the writer for Mad TV can't be perfect. All right, <laughs> goddamn it. I mean, 
he, he is kind of perfect. He's all right. I mean, my, my TV is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Depends on what episodes. Was he the Mr. Swan writer? And then uh, he, he only wrote Mr. Swan <laughs> or Mrs. Swan. Yeah. yeah Mrs. Swan. Uh, he's, <laughs> he only has the, the, the letters on his keyboard to write. He look like a man. All the other ones are taken off. It's amazing that 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 one line was like like what was it ten years that uh-huh. Miss Swan something was like that yeah ridiculous like but but probably more than ten years because it was like mid nineties to like yeah, want, late two thousand yeah when when was the first Mrs Swan the last Mrs Swan skit because yeah, that that'd right. be fascinating to look at and just go through and see how many see times Mrs Swan timeline oh yeah. that's a good idea for a podcast the Mrs Swan cast. Where we just watch all the Miss Swan. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> this, all the and we just we just do like racist uh, Asian <laughs> impressions, like uh, uh, "Hello, <laughs> this is Swancast. <laughs> I am them Swan, <laughs> and this is Mister Swan." It's, it's amazing, like Miss Swan. We are here to talk about <laughs> how, and then together we say. He look like a man. You know, and you know what? It's amazing that did not kill her career. Does she have a career? She's uh, the voice of Lois. That's on, right. On Family right. Guy. Yeah. Okay. And she's also in uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel as the manager. That's like my dad's favorite show. Right is now. it? <laughs> it is. Oh, then yeah. He loves Miss Swan. <laughs> So apparently it's not like a show that like a six-year-old man would be watching, but he loves it. That's uh, yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I only watched the first season. They had Lenny Bruce and stuff in it. I thought that. The guy they got oh, yeah, to play Lenny Bruce looked, looked like Lenny Bruce. I was surprised. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried watching the second season. I didn't get into it, and then I just mm. stopped watching. <laughs> is it still? Does it, is it coming out with new seasons? I don't fucking know, man. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. It's more the thing about it. There's so much goddamn media now and so much TV. I know, TV, it's too it's much. Like, you know what? I'm just going to go back into my shell and watch old shows and make a podcast about it and yeah. like not care. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that for the week. Do you want to do Klingon Word of the Day? Hells yeah. Let's get into it, baby. It's the Klingon word of the day. All right, this is the Klingon word of the day. And I wanted to make it, you know, appropriate to, like, recent news. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to see, and apparently uh, Klingon does not have a word for queen. What? So so are you telling me, like... Klingons don't sing like Freddie Mercury. No, I guess they, well, I guess they just call it Queen, just in English. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they do have a word for Emperor. Okay. Which is so they listen to black metal, but not classic <laughs> rock, is <laughs> yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the so Emperor is Vodle, 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 and to use it in a sentence, I'm glad. Vodle, Elizabeth II is dead. Me too. 
<laughs> uh, to use it in a seconds. Second, 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 a second, that's a second sentence. You're yeah, just... to use it in a second sentence, thank you. Yeah. Good save. <laughs> Good save on your part for me. Thank you. Um, uh, to use it in a second, um, <laughs> uh, I'm glad they brought the Vaudelaire back for Star Wars 9. Oh, yeah, you're the yeah. only one. No, no. <laughs> there are three of us, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> there are literally threes three. of us. Th- just three. <laughs> yeah. I found the other two online. They're also assholes. You know what? I'm really glad I never actually saw that movie. I was just like, no, I'm done. <laughs> Dude, you need to. You need to. So you watched uh, The Last Jedi then? I did. So I, The, I, I, the I was Last a- Jedi, like, in retrospect, like, I feel like, I feel like there was a time where, like, J.J. Abrams sat down Ryan Johnson. He's like, all right, this is what I, this is my vision. Yeah. All right. You can do what you want and you're like allowed to do what you want, but this is my vision. And Ryan Johnson looked at it and he's like, oh, 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 no. Yeah. Which- First off, no. <laughs> Second off, I'm literally going to do the opposite of that. <laughs> I'm going to do a post star Wars film, <laughs> like where it's just a deconstruction of what star Wars is and what it means to people. I'm going to subvert expectations. And I'm going to piss everybody mm-hmm. off by making a not star Wars movie. That's officially in the star <laughs> Wars canon. And you know, it pissed everyone off, pissed yeah. everyone off. Yeah. I was like, but not as much as the film after it. Not as <laughs> yeah, much as the last Skywalker. What was what was the the rise of Skywalker? Yeah, that's why I feel it was probably a bad idea for them to ha- be like dueling movie makers in a way. So because uh, like I feel like they should have had a cohesive plan. Because- right. Well, so apparently the last film, the Duel of the Fates, I mm-hmm. guess is what it was called, was actually supposed to be good. Like people who have read the script are like, yeah, that movie should have been made. Was that supposed it, to be the third one? Yeah, or it was supposed to be the third one, and I don't remember who originally wrote it. I think. It oh, was, yeah, I think I heard about that where they a, like, yeah, but like because like the second film didn't have like kind of took took some elements out, like he couldn't right, make right, it, yeah. and so and so they just like scrapped it, and J.J. Abrams is like, all right, uh, I've got like fucking no time to put this together. I'm just gonna throw together a fucking Star Wars film. Mm. And uh, he made the worst he, one. He managed to make a worse Star Wars film than fucking Attack of the Clones, mm. which is like, you know, I've never actually seen Attack of the Clones. You dumb motherfucker. I, I I'm sorry. I'm pissed at you. <laughs> you haven't seen the two worst Star Wars films. No, I actually didn't see the third prequel either. Like I like I'm not. It's, it's okay. It's like, okay. Like I'm okay-ish with Star Wars, but yeah, I guess I haven't seen most of the films. <laughs> Well, I mean, do you do you want to make some bonus episodes and watch the Star Wars films? Yeah, I mean, them? I have watched the Red Letter Media reviews okay. of those. Okay, so you know what's wrong with them. Yeah, I know what's wrong with them. Now, but... now watch them with a baller, a gangster. <laughs> All a right. gangster like me, mm-hmm. who's deep in, in the fucking, deep in the trenches of Star Wars. Yeah. I've, uh, I've jerked off to every Star Wars film in the theater. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, so that's why you, you like you can't go to the theaters with us. Like we're like, hey, Brit, let's go see. Only, <laughs> only, only. Listen, only AMC Cinemark and Regal. All right, <laughs> yeah. I am, I am welcome at all independent theaters in Seattle, mm-hmm. except for SIF. They have that's because they have less um, uh, 
security. Yeah, and, they don't have pictures of me, they so they don't, don't have pictures of you. They don't recognize. So I, I just hope that the guy taking tickets isn't the guy who caught me jerking off last week. And you started going to them during COVID, so you could always have the mask on. Have a good. Reason. If someone catches me jerking off, like I'm always like. Oh, he, he came in my popcorn, right? I'm a letter online trying to get the guy fired so I can go back to the theater. Just show up at, show up with a fake beard. <laughs> just, yes, I'm old movie man here to watch a new movie. I don't know. You look a lot like that guy that keeps cranking his hog in the theater. Like, But you do have a big beard. <laughs> He didn't, I get, you know, and yesterday he was clean shaven, so it can't possibly be the same person. <laughs> Uh, beautiful all right and i guess with that it's time to go into our old episode yeah so last week um i don't even remember what we rolled it was like 398 mm-hmm. or 399 uh 399th uh episode in production of star trek is star trek voyager season two episode 16 meld <laughs> Star Trek Voyager, Season 2, Episode 16, Meld, released on February 5th, 1996, written by the late, great Michael Piller, co-creator of the series, and directed by Cliff Bull, who, uh, whose name was like a little familiar for, to me. I looked at it, he directed 25 episodes of TNG, mm. 7 of DS9, and 10 of Voyager. So, oh, wow. Absolutely, like, iconic uh, Star Trek director, really. Mm. We open on Ensign Harry Kim playing pool in The Paris Three, also known as the Shea Sandrine. Uh, And he's winning a round of pool and calling game. Tom Paris asks if he'd like to make it interesting this time and add some stakes. Harry asks what kind of stakes in Paris suggests replicator rations. Mm. Ricky, Tom Paris's presumed holodeck booty call, <laughs> warns Harry not to as he's being hustled. Harry asks Ricky if Paris deliberately let him win the previous game. Paris denies it, and Harry confidently confirms he won the previous game and he'll win the next game as well. You know, Harry's always very confident in the series, despite not always being competent. He's fairly yeah. competent. He's fairly competent. Fairly. Yeah. I mean, he's like the one guy that deserved a promotion the most and never got it. Like, they promoted Tom Paris. <laughs> True. True. And all Tom Paris did was fuck around on... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tom Paris fucks up so much. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, Paris asks how many rations uh, Harry would be willing to bet on it. Harry says a fucking week's worth, which is wild. He's not going to eat for a week. He's, uh, he's, gonna he's, he's just going to have to go to Neelix's um, uh, cantina. Oh, you're, oh, he's yeah. got to eat Neelix's food. That's the punishment. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yes. Yeah, like Neelix's the... food is a punishment on Voyager. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. That's why That's why they have to have the uh, replicator rations. Because, yeah, they can get eat, the replicator they can eat whatever they want. But right, then it's right. like whatever. They fuck. can eat like real food. <laughs> yeah, not whatever Neelix <laughs> Not together. just like different uh, representations of Leola root. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, parasite, or, or like poisonous cheese or whatever <laughs> he has. Yeah, yeah, is is a discharge. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's fresh from my body. <laughs> <laughs> I make it fresh daily. I'm like a chicken making eggs, Mr. Vulcan. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> fresh, fresh skin porridge. That's what I call it. <laughs> skin porridge. I hate it. I hate, I hate that so much. <laughs> he likes his skin porridge. Uh. So, uh, Paris decides not to roll Harry and tells him to never bet something, even with your best friend, after they say, let's make it interesting, which is good advice. Yeah, that's very good advice. He then asks if Harry wants a little action, and they can play an honest game of chance. (laughs) Or strip poker. Yeah, right? (laughs) Uh, Ricky, uh, fucking Russian roulette with a phaser. Oh my god, that'd be awesome! They're just recreating um, the deer hunter. <laughs> Didi Mao, Didi Mao. <laughs> uh, Ricky interrupts and tells Harry to never play with anyone, even your best friend, if they offer to bet on quote an honest game of chance. Also, good, good, yeah, advice. Um, Paris then organizes a lotto of sorts. Each person can put in one replicator ration, and if they can guess the radiogenic particle count at 1,200 hours the next day, they get the pot. With a small cut taken out for Tom Paris, of course. Mm. He tells Harry to get a pad and start taking down names and numbers, and he does, because Harry's a little bitch. Harry, <laughs> Harry doesn't get anything for this, and he just does this for Tom, which yeah. is really dumb. Yeah, Harry, like, yeah, and like Tom specifically said, like, I get a little off the top. Yeah, right. Now not do, you, now, Harry. Now do my work, Harry. Wow. <laughs> what, a, what a cuck. Um, yeah. next I mean, we, that's why I got promoted, I guess. I guess so. Next, we join Bellana Torres in engineering, and she asks Ensign Hogan if he's still not having any luck with the warp drive. He hasn't, but they've narrowed it down to a problem elsewhere in the ship. Hogan says Suter was monitoring some conditions and everything seemed fine. Torres says, well, I guess we'll just have to get in there and track it down, and she walks away. Next we join none other than the Ultra Predator himself, Neelix. (laughs) He has finished making some dog shit fucking food. And Big he old walk- batch of skin porridge. <laughs> oh, I, I made a walk full of uh, skin porridge for the crew, Mr. Vulcan. This thing would just not stop draining, so there's a lot to go around. I'm told it tastes like cum. Is that a bad thing? Um, he walks over to Tuvok, who is obviously playing Candy Crush on a pad. But Neelix interrupts him and interrupts his game and makes him lose, which mm-hmm. fucking pisses him off and says... Uh, Happy Cal Wreck, Mr. Vulcan, which to uh, have, we, we have to address something real quick. Mm. Uh, Tuvok never said Neelix could call him Mr. Vulcan. Mm. And really, somebody calling you by your race or ethnicity, <laughs> especially when you're not like friends mm. And you're just co-workers? Hey, Mr. Italian. I know, right? <laughs> like, you could get away with that maybe yeah. if you were also an Italian guy or something mm. like that. Or, you know, like, you know, in certain ways, if you're friends with someone, you can get away with that. But if you're not, you can't. Yeah. Um, like, imagine someone doing that at any other job. And they'd be <laughs> fucking fired. 100%. Yeah. Immediately. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and why specifically, why does he always say it? I mean, I think he do, does only do it to Tuvok because he knows it so. annoys him and gets under his skin. I know, which is fucked up. Because, like, secretly, like, Neelix is a little bit of a sadist. Oh, no, 100%. <laughs> That's why he makes him, like, eat his food. Yeah, and just it's fucks the with punishment. him nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he doesn't really respect, like, he, he, like, that's the thing. He always seems like he's very respectful. Like, he's very interested in studying other people's cultures, you know, as the morale officer. But, like, he knows about Tuvet, uh, Tuvok's, you know, beliefs and, mm-hmm. and culture. And, but specifically tries to, uh, uh, fuck with him about it. <laughs> I know, which is really strange. Um, so, Tuvok informs Neelix that Call Wreck is not for another two fucking weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Neelix insists that it's still the call wreck season as though it's fucking Christmas or something. Or Halloween. Yeah. Uh, Spooky season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is call wreck? Um, so Tuvok dismisses this and says that call wreck is a day of atonement, no, that's right, solitude, and silence. Neelix says all Vulcan holidays are the same and full of doom and gloom. <laughs> uh, he knows because he's been doing research in his capacity as a morale officer. Mm. What? That's uh, so. Like, it's. It would be weird to like, go up to like a Jewish person, and like <laughs> say a name of the holiday that doesn't happen for a couple weeks, and like, that's not a thing. Oh come on now, Mister Jew. No, no. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. I've been doing research on the Jews, like yours. Um, it's just weird. It's weird. And it like, it wouldn't fly anywhere else for any other reason, but mm. like Neelix gets away with it. And it's like, that would be funny if he like creates his own call wreck decorations and a call wreck tree. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Two just <laughs> burns it to the ground. That's the thing that finally makes him snap. <laughs> uh, Two says that morale is irrelevant to a Vulcan, which, okay. Neelix says there's no one on Voyager who requires his services more than Tuvok, which is a lie. Yeah. Uh, I need to pause this for a moment uh, to say I realized here when watching this for the first time, I watched this episode three times now mm-hmm. in the past like week, um, why I have an especially strange feeling of vitriol for Neelix. <laughs> uh, and that's because he talks almost exactly like my grandmother. Oh, weird. Uh, who is a piece of shit. Mm. Rest in piss, dumb bitch. Um, Does he look like her? A little bit. Yeah. Well, oddly. <laughs> oddly. A little bit. So, like, it's very off-putting, and, like, especially because he's such a fucking incompetent doofus ass. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I hate I hate him a little bit. And he's also, like, that. a child predator and stuff. And there's There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. I mean, I did, like... I didn't like him when I first watched Voyager as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew to uh, another rewatch as an adult. I grew to kind of like him. He grows like a parasite. He grows he's, like a parasite. He's, a, he's, a, he's the tapeworm of Voyager, if you will. <laughs> it's like you can't stay mad at him. Like <laughs> <laughs> You can't stay mad at a tapeworm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just trying to survive out there. Yeah, that's just, that's just its nature. So you have to just like, you know, just appreciate it for what it is. The nature of the beast, baby. Yeah. The nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. Neelix says he will not rest until he sees Tuvok smile. And Tuvok says, in that case, Neelix will not rest, which was a great line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neelix reminds him of the Vulcan festival of Rumery, which Tuvok says is an ancient pagan festival. 
and according to Neelix, is populated by barely clothed Vulcans covered in grease chasing one another. That's what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. Tuvok says it hasn't been observed for a millennia, but Neelix wants to bring it back because he's perverted. (laughs) I want to sexualize those bodies, Mr. Vulcan. Uh, Just then, Tuvok is paged on his comm badge to report to engineering. Down in engineering, Taurus has Tuvok open a Jeffrey's tube. And what's inside? Uh A dead body. Oh, shit. She's like, check it out. He's dead. (laughs) Tuvok's like, cool. They poke him, walk away. End of episode. 410, opening credits. They do have a very muted, I mean, I can understand Tuvok's muted response to finding a dead body, but Blana's just like, ugh. (laughs) Just like, kind of annoying. He was annoying. Fucking Darwin was annoying. Yeah. Yeah. We get back from credits, uh, and we join the doctor in Medbay, where he's saying the victim, Mr. Darwin, had plasma burns on 96% of their body, and he would have been completely vaporized if the circuit in the tube had not have failed. Tuvok says that Darwin had entered the conduit to repair the faulty circuit when the accident occurred. The doctor says, a perfectly good theory. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you're wrong, which is <laughs> such a dickhead thing to say, and I love it. Mm-hmm. The doc explains that he had a contusion on the back of his skull consistent with blunt force trauma. In fact, crewman Darwin was murdered. Big music cue. Next we go to the observation lounge and Tuvok is speaking with Janeway and Chakotay. He says the murder isn't obvious as crewman Darwin had no known enemies aboard the ship. According to Janeway's records, Darwin turned down an officer position to travel with a Voyager. He is survived by three sisters back home on Earth. Taurus enters the room and hands a pad to Tuvok, saying it's the duty logs from the previous day. According to the logs, Suter was the only other person on duty when Darwin died. Chakotay seems nonplus, and Janeway asks him if something is wrong. Chakotay says no, but he's just never felt comfortable with Suter. Mm-hmm. It's not that he did anything wrong, but as a Maquis, and Bolana Torres jumps in and says, uh, he seemed to be able to do what he had to do as a Maquis a little too easily. And uh, they expand on that and says, uh, he just uh, killed Cardassians really easily. <laughs> uh, Tuvok does not recall anything suspicious about him when he was uh, stationed with them as a spy, but Chakotay assures him that all that around comrades, he was a quiet and unassuming Betazoid. He says most of the Maquis were doing uh, what they were doing to protect their families, but Suter had his own reasons. In battle, sometimes he had to pull Suter back to stop him from going too far. And when he did, there was something in his eyes that made him think he would kill him too. Tuvok finds it curious that Chakotay didn't put any of this in his initial crew evaluations when coming on board the Voyager. Chakotay says he doesn't put down bad feelings or hunches in crew evaluations, which is probably... Yeah, valid. (laughs) Uh, Tuvok says that since his crew included malcontents, outlaws, and mercenaries, that it would have been appropriate for him to do so. Chakotay says he wasn't about to make it harder for anybody on the Voyager especially Maki. Janeway says it's clear where the investigation should begin mm. with Suter. We go to a small room with systems operations panels all over and Suter enters requested by Tuvok. Mm. 
is played by uh, Brad Dorf, who we all love. Yeah, who plays Chucky. Plays Chucky, Grima Wormtongue. Mm-hmm. He's, he's all the good guys. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's uh, I want to say, he's great in this role. Yeah, like, he is. He kills it. He kills, he like steals at least two full scenes here. And he really makes the Betazoid eyes very creepy. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, <laughs> as like a guy who like doesn't feel anything, like he, he, he plays this character so well. Like, yeah. he's creepy as fuck. It's a great, like, weird murder mystery episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's, it's really good. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I do like suitors, like, and he becomes kind of like a, occasionally recurring character and i do like his whole arc yeah we like we like suitor around mm-hmm. um so um tuvok tells suitor to sit down and ask him about the night of darwin's death he says uh, he didn't speak to him and was just running a fuel consumption analysis for taurus yes if he's being accused of killing darwin tuvok says that nobody has been accused but asks if suitor did suitor says no and that he barely knew darwin he says that just because he's a Maquis does not make him a killer. Tuvok says he has no particular feelings about the Maquis, but Suter responds that Tuvok was just merely spying on them in an attempt to turn them all into the Federation as criminals, which is a great point. Yeah. <laughs> Tuvok says that didn't require any sort of feelings on his part, which that's a... um. That's one of those I was just doing orders arguments, which yeah. is like why bad cops and mm-hmm. like war crimes continue to exist. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, like it's it's it, you. You may have not had feelings, but it's definitely a subjective opinion that they're criminals. Like given the circumstances, um, subjective or objective? Uh, I feel subjective because oh yeah, it's totally subjective. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, because the Maquis were not I, the Maquis were right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, they were they were uh, freedom fighters. They were yeah. they were basically in the exact same battle that the Bajorans were before the Bajorans entered Starfleet. Yeah, or for the Federation. It's just like Tuvok's opinion, man. Like yeah, straight up. Like, like tu- so, Tuvok is wrong. Yeah, and, but, and so it did require feelings on his part in order mm-hmm. to because I, I feel like Tuvok if he thought something was unethical enough, he wouldn't do it, right? Or yeah. refuse to do it. He didn't refuse to do this. He went he, along he with could, it happening. He could, see, he could see the logic and, and yes. what they were doing. Yeah, like he found it, this to be a logical decision to make, which yeah. I don't think it was. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't a morally logical decision. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, he's totally right. I mean, he is right about, you know, being unfairly, like, uh, accused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, see, it's not too out of the realm. <laughs> anyway, so Tuvok tells Suter that Darwin's time of death was 2214 and asks what Suter was doing at that time. He said it was still on a fuel analysis until he was off duty. Tuvok asks if he'd be surprised to know his console was logged off at 2209, and Suter says that isn't possible. Hmm. Tuvok asks if he has a criminal record. Suter says that would be fairly difficult to check up on, which is true. Like, why would he even ask? Yeah. Uh, Tuvok asks why he'd have any reason to lie, and Suter says he doesn't. Tuvok asks again if he has a criminal record, and this time Suter says no. Tuvok asks about his relationship with Darwin, and after Suter says again he barely knew him, Tuvok dismisses him, allowing him to leave, saying he might have some more questions later. Suddenly, the doctor pages Tuvok from the med lab. 
Over in medical, the doctor explains that he created nanites to recognize unusual DNA strands. And within Darwin, Darwin's head wound, they found some DNA. Guess who it is? Bum, bum, bum. Suter. <laughs> Tuvok asks if he's certain. And the doctor says DNA doesn't know how to lie. Sure. <laughs> Next we go to a, I mean, it was honestly, that was but like DNA a, can be planted. It can't. It was like, that was straight up a line out of, um, like fucking law and order at the time. I'm sure. Yeah. Dun, dun. DNA doesn't know how to lie. Bum, bum. Uh, next we go to a dark room <laughs> and Suter is looking at the pad with the evidence against him. Tuvok advises that under Starfleet Directive 101, he does not have to answer any questions, which is good. Yeah, he's like, you can seek counsel. Mm -hmm. Suter paces briefly and says there's no point in denying it anymore. He says he used a two kilo coil spanner. Darwin was sitting at the impulse control panel and didn't even look up when he swung the spanner as hard as he could. Tuvok suggests that uh, Suter speak to counsel, but Suter continues, saying he was surprised at how little blood there was. He figured the EPS conduit was one of the easiest ways to dispose of a body, but he must have damaged one of the circuits when he put Darwin inside. He tells them exactly where he hid the murder weapon, somewhere on deck seven. Tuvok asks why he killed Darwin. Suter sits down and says, no reason. Tuvok says that that is unsatisfactory and asks him for a motive. Darwin thinks for a minute and says, I didn't like the way he looked at me. And I, for one, thought it was a totally chilling and awesome performance. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best in all of Voyager from a guest star, straight yeah. up. Like, this this episode fucking rocks. Mm -hmm. I've been watching quite a bit of Voyager lately, and, like, this is easily one of the best episodes of Voyager. Like, mm -hmm. it's good as fuck. It's so good. Yeah, even during, like, the initial interrogation scene, I like how um, Suter was able to effort effortlessly lie and also got kind of confrontational mm -hmm. with Tuvok a bit, you know, and just yeah. very steadily, but didn't want to show his hand too much. You know, it's like, well, that'd be pretty hard to check off on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. I, I just, yeah, enjoyed the whole, the, and the chemistry between uh, Tuvok and the guy who plays Suter mm -hmm. is great. Yeah. And, you know, Tim Russ is just a great actor. Tim Russ has a couple scenes in here that fuck. Oh, yeah. Like, that fuck, uh, that are just, like, among some of the best of his, not only, but also some of the best of Voyager. Like yeah. One scene specifically here is mm -hmm. fucking great. Uh, back in Med Lab, the doctor confirms that the spanner is, in fact, the murder weapon. He notes that Tuvok doesn't seem satisfied. Tuvok admits that he is not, since he does not have a logical purpose or motive for the crime as of yet. The doctor says, for a Vulcan, that would be a dilemma, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tuvok follows the doctor and asks if it's possible if Mr. Suter is a psychotic, but the doctor doubts it and asks Kess to call up his genetic profile. She says the neurogenic markers uh, give no suggestion of bipolar disorder, but his chemical composition suggested aggressive, even violent tendencies. Uh, some might say suicidal tendencies. <laughs> uh, Tuvok asks why this wasn't reported, and the doctor says these chemical levels were not much different from the other Maquis crew members, as it takes a certain personality type to live the life of an outlaw. 
See, that's his phrenology program kicking in. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's just like, should, uh, he has a sloping forehead of a, of a violent criminal. Takes a certain type of person, if you know what I mean. Here's wink. Here's, here's the profiles I made for these <laughs> types of people. I call them super predators. <laughs> Thanks, Hillary Clinton. I've devised a crime bill. Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, the future versions, they're on board. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see. Like Tuvok definitely gets pretty crime billy later on in this. <laughs> I mean, Vulcans are like inherently kind of crime billy, right? Yeah. Although at the same time, they're like their justice system is focused entirely on rehabilitation, which is it like, is. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, obviously, in like a strange new world and stuff, mm-hmm. like uh, they're all about you know art therapy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> do a painting, dog, and like yeah, just do a painting. Don't don't think about rape. Do a painting. But I mean, and. You know, don't want to get too spoiled, but you know, we see in later episodes like Suter mm-hmm. does start to take, like he's uh he's recept he's receptive to it, uh, like his arc, like the redemptive arc. Yeah, yeah, we love we love a good rehabilitation, don't we, folks? Mm-hmm. We love a good rehabilitative justice. Yes, <laughs> don't we, folks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one really Fabulous. good um, movie to check out is uh, the work. It's a good documentary about um uh. Uh, drama therapy and Folsom prison and that's good mm. that uh rehabilitates uh prisoners but it's like for lifers on only kind of they do allow people from the outside to come take this class with prisoners mm-hmm. and it's really good at rehabilitation but unfortunately they're not allowed to get out because of our justice system <laughs> so they get so bummer yeah but our justice system um could use some um work yeah get some yeah the work Hey, <laughs> Kess asks Tuvok if he believes Suter's confession. He says he does, but his job is not finished until he determines a motive. The doctor asks, what if there is no motive? And Tuvok insists that there must be one. The doctor says Tuvok is trapped in his own Vulcan logic, as all humanoids are predators. <laughs> Except for him, who is just programmed by the predators. Which is so sick. I love yeah. this writing here. I know. I, I love EMH in general, but yeah, yeah. he does such a good job. Like Mike, Michael lines. Pillar is a good writer, I think. Yeah. Like he, he writes some fucking fantastic episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks in a civilized world if we can suppress those instincts. Certainly Vulcans can, as their violent instincts are buried behind centuries of control. But the rest of the humanoid races are not so skilled. Tuvok asks if a mere look from Darwin to Mr. Suter could have invoked such a reaction. And Suter says that this has happened before and he's killed men for the exact same reason. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, that's a different scene. I was putting together stuff from, from my head. Um, <laughs> Tuvok asks if a mere look from Mr. Darwin to Mr. Suter could have invoked the reaction and the doctor says it's been known to happen. Tuvok does not accept that explanation and walks away. <clears throat> Over in the brig, Tuvok questions Suter again. Suter says he already told Tuvok his motive. He didn't like the way that Darwin looked at him. Uh, And he says it's the way a lot of people at Starfleet looked at him, and it's the reason he's killed a lot of people before, never in Starfleet, but back when he was a Maquis. Mm. Tuvok asks if there's some sort of expression of this rage at Starfleet. And Suter laughs, saying, if that's how you want to look at this, fine. And then admits to thinking about killing Tuvok as well. Tuvok says that this makes sense, as he was previously a Maki mole. However, Crewman Darwin 
had done nothing to Suter to warrant such a reaction. Suter says that's true, and he doesn't know why he killed Darwin after all. Tuvok asks Suter if he feels remorse, but he says he can't feel anything at all. Most Betazoids can sense other people's emotions, but Suter can't even sense his own. He asks what's going to happen to him now, and Tuvok says he'll discuss it with the captain. Suter suggests that if he were the captain, he know what he'd do. He'd kill him. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is kind of the big moral crux of the episode, in a yeah. way. And it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah. Spoiler alert, this episode is a little bit Catholic. <laughs> a little, 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 little bit of the Pope. A little bit of the Pope mm-hmm. in this episode. It's of a Pope. <clears throat> um, Tuvok walks uh, down the hallway, out of the brig, and slowly turns back obviously disturbed. He goes right back to the brig and tells Suter it's important he understand exactly why he killed Darwin. Suter says he wishes he could help, but he cannot. Tuvok says maybe he can help. And he asks, uh, and he says he might be able to help indirectly as well via a mind meld. Tuvok could understand Suter's motives, and in return, Suter might be able to understand the Vulcan suppression of emotions and self-discipline. Suter agrees, and Tuvok releases the force field and performs a mind meld. I don't know. Double, double fisting <clears throat> mind meld. Yeah, both hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was ever, like, really established that, like, they kind of become a little bit of the same person. I mean, in ways, but not really. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's that's what happens to Tuvok. He kind of takes, like, on Suter's. Is that a Tuvok-specific thing? Because it's not very Spock, then. Like, when Spock does a mind oh, meld, yeah. like, they don't really become like Spock. He just, like, shares thoughts with them, and they know what mm-hmm. each other are thinking, and that's kind of it. How I was taking it is, like, uh, uh, because, you know, he did the double fist, <laughs> double, double hand. Oh, do you think I think he went in too deep, harder? went in too deep, and he let, and I think that oh. is the danger. I think he let too much of himself that, get clouded. And, do you think that's what the Sum 41 song is about? <laughs> Because I'm in too oh, yeah. deep and oh, I'm trying God. to keep all these thoughts in my head. Oh, Instead, shit. I'm going under. Instead, I'm going under. Dun, 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 dun. I think that's, they must have watched that episode and wrote right? that song. Right? <laughs> trying to keep but, all these thoughts in my head. All these all these rageful, murderous thoughts, but mm-hmm. instead Tuvok's taking them for me. Yeah, yeah. I think too, yeah, I think what happened is like Tuvok, you know, and he's a little too overzealous to try to understand Suter's motives like uh put down some of his own barriers and and that's why like the mind meld went wrong <laughs> and like you know Spock you know he's more he he was he wasn't he does, he does he's not too too invested I think right uh, yeah yeah and maybe the half human helps too with the Spock yeah maybe sure. yeah so Suter agrees to the mind meld and Tuvok releases the force field and performs it on him back in the Paris three or the Shea Sandrine, whatever we're calling it. Um, Paris is fuck, uh, French fuck palace. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the, the fuck holodeck where Paris hangs out and his cum is all over the place. Ugh, disgusting. Back in back in uh, Paris's cum room, uh, the computer <laughs> announces the radiogenic particle density at 180, sorry, 1,873 per cubic meter. Paris announces that the winner of the pool for 16 replicator rations is no one. They don't even like get closest. That's why I think yep. it has to be specific. Right? It would, would that seems sense. that seems like such a that seems like a very difficult competition. Yeah, fuck you, Paris. 
Paris acts incensed, but Harry comes over incredulous. Paris offers to buy him lunch as he has an extra ration. <laughs> Harry says by his count, he has two since Paris is taking 10% of the daily action for himself. The only winner every day is Paris. Yeah, a little scam artist. Yeah, Paris walks out the door with Harry talking about how he's going to get, um, I think, prime rib with yeah. mashed potatoes, some um, uh, a cold racchino <laughs> with cream. Back with Tuvok and Janeway. Tuvok is telling Janeway about the meld. Janeway asks if he got any answers for what he was after, and Tuvok says, although it's difficult for him to accept, Suter was telling the truth as he knew it. He is a man with an incredibly violent nature, living in an environment without any outlet to express it. Earlier in his life, he found a way to fulfill the impulses, such as killing for the Maquis. But in Starfleet, he's a man out of place, out of time. Um, I wish I had something. I almost got into a Rod Sterling thing there. Here we have a man out of place, out of time. Uh, she asks what the punishment should be and says, if they were at home, he'd be sent to prison. Which again, we go back to the punitive yeah. justice system of the Federation, which we can't have at that point. We can't be sending people to prison still at that point. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's mostly like the the penal colony on Australia. They yeah. send them. And, and, and that's, that's, I mean, yeah, but the thing is, it's obvious we have methods and things at mm -hmm. this point where people can be rehabilitated. Like, he is rehabilitated basically through a mind melt here. Yeah, yeah. Like, it starts on the path, yeah. And, um, oh. yeah, really, like, uh, he probably has, like, a, he probably had a better chance of rehabilitation on Voyager <laughs> than, uh, than he would have probably had, would have at home. Like, you know, oh, yeah, in Australia? In Australia, like, yeah. Like, Australia makes everybody mad. <laughs> like, uh, you know, Tom Paris was there, and obviously Tom Paris is still, you know, committing. A miscreant, fucking trying to. Committing crimes. <laughs> yeah, fucking trying to run, like, illegal gambling rings on the holodeck. Yeah, so Australia didn't rehabilitate Tom Paris. Oh, not at all. But, uh, but Not at all. But uh, Tom Paris is a piece of shit. No, I, I like Tom <laughs> Paris, but I don't. Yeah. Tom Paris is a good character, but he's mm -hmm. a piece of shit. I, I like I like that about him. He's a dirtbag. He's yeah. a real dirtbag. Yeah, he's a scoundrel. Yeah, he's a dirtbag. <laughs> he's yeah. He just likes to come everywhere and like not answer to anybody. It's mm -hmm. kind of fun. I, I I get Tom Paris more than anything. I guess. Yeah, they do kind of tame him. You know, he marries Bellana. I hate that. I know. <laughs> I felt that was kind of a weird pairing. It was. It was, but it wasn't as bad as uh, Chakotay and Seven of Nine. I mean, they did that at the eleventh hour. It yeah, was so it was eleventh. Yeah, it was a weird eleventh hour. Especially because they they could have done fucking like Janeway and Chakotay. That would I felt that it was like made being sense. I felt that was being teased throughout everyone the entire thought, series. Everyone thought that. Yeah, would have made sense, and I would have yeah. liked that for. Right. Would have been good for both of them. Yeah, everyone would have liked that. Give Chakotay something to do other than like mm -hmm. his fake Native American heritage stuff that. <laughs> That one guy came. Whoa, whoa. That's they did. Like the the, the the expert they had was actually just some weird. Whoa, some are you guy. Yeah, it was a weird Italian man. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's it just like the guy, the the guy who pretended to be a, a Native American and watched like the trash get thrown on the road and he shed a tear. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that commercial guy. Mm -hmm. Also an Italian. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Not a, not a real none of the I wonder if that's why they made so many westerns in Italy, you know, the spaghetti westerns. <laughs> 
because they look <laughs> all Italians look like Native American. <laughs> they got the, the big nose. <laughs> um, so uh, Janeway says um, his punishment back on Earth would be being sent to prison, but the closest thing they have is the brig. But she says it would be inappropriate to leave him down in their dungeon for the remainder of the trip, yeah. which is weird because she thinks it'd be fine to leave him in a dungeon on Earth. Yeah. Well, I think like the that's the thing. Like, I think like the dungeon on Earth is just Australia, where they're just like they have a colony and they just kind of like live and work in Australia, but they're they're not in like in like a jail cell per se. I mean, that sounds great, but that's not a prison. No, I mean, but they're kind of just like on Australia, I guess. <laughs> so they just have to be Australian. Yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. But it's just this doesn't sound like a punishment at all. It's like it's just like what the British did with the Australians. It's like, yeah, oh, you're all the most fun people in the United <laughs> Kingdom. We're gonna go put you on a fucking island together. With weird little like uh, with like weird koalas and yeah, with weird like with with tons of it's a lush, nice hot island, and we're gonna go back to cloudy Britain, <laughs> and you you gotta go, you gotta go. You don't have any rules on this nice yeah, island. So go like, and displace the native peoples and <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The only rule is uh, whites only genocide. Um, Tubox <laughs> suggests that Suter is prepared to die for his crime. And holy shit, does this piss off Janeway? Yeah, this is like, like asking Joe Biden if they can bring the death penalty back. Yeah. You're like, hey Jack, <laughs> hey Jack, you know, you know, I'm a good old Irish Catholic, right? <laughs> We're not getting into that territory, Jack. Like, yeah. And here you're talking about, and you did mention like Tim Russ's uh, good acting in this episode, and I mm-hmm. feel like this, like this is the start of where he starts subtly like revealing. Like as, like aspects of himself. Yeah, because he started like shaking a little bit. He's like, he's, yeah, he's getting a little aggro. Yeah, he's very aggro. He's just like, well, I think you know, death is a good decision. But he's like talking about it very logically, where he's still kind of sounding like himself, but kind of off. And right. and he starts to show like the the cracks as they're starting to form, and it's a uh, it's pretty good. It's very subtle, and he does a great job with it. Do you think? Do you think like he also gained suitors fetishes? as well oh maybe what, what do you think Suter's fetishes are i mean he obviously likes the violent stuff like the super violent mm. stuff like i bet he's into the like um uh anal prolapse videos and stuff like that yeah possibly yeah i mean obviously if he's beta zoid he likes to be like fully nude all the time yeah i had a, i had a buddy um uh someone someone i actually hooked up with a long time ago and uh it was like before their egg cracked and they came out as trans mm-hmm. well, and they were like oh i'm i'm a, I'm a I guess I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. And so uh, a little while later, they ended up, I f- uh, they had an OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. And I, I went and looked at it, and, like, it was all, like, anal prolapse stuff. Hells yeah. Like, all <laughs> anal. No. I mean, I'm not into that at all. No, the pink sock. Right, right. And this this was, like, someone who, like, a few years prior I had hooked up with, and they were, like, kind of, like, high femme. And suddenly they're like a hairy dude doing anal prolapse. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I mean, more more power to whoever. Anyone should be exactly who they want to be and do whatever they need to do to get get them off. Yeah. But that, that, that actually like seri- kind of shocked me. I feel like it's a serious medical condition at that point. Like, aren't you just like constantly like he- spooling? Sorry. Yeah, it sounds like spooling out your intestines. 
Uh, I mean, not really. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know how much it is, but it was just <laughs> like, it was, it was enough to where I was like that, that looks more medical than sexual. And I could, it's like, I, I can't, I can't jerk off to this. No, yeah. I can't jerk off to this. And I can jerk off to a lot of things, Pat, yeah. as I think we've established on the show. Yes. They're, they're, uh, I, I guess I've stopped, I've stopped, I've stopped tallying them. Like yeah. Just... I, I, I guess I, I could say the, the list of things I can't jerk off to is diminutive at this point. Yeah. But that was one of them. Mm. That was one of them. Just that's, like, that's, a, that's a good, that's a the, good uh, line in the stand. I feel, I guess so. Like, I feel like, yeah, you, you don't want to, I mean, like when I was younger, I really liked uh, Belladonna. Oh, Belladonna. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. Love, yeah. Uh, she's the reason I have like fucked a bunch of people with, um, uh, diastemas, uh, like the space in their teeth. I got a space in my teeth. Oh, I'm not going to fuck you. Sorry. <laughs> <Pat>. Uh, <laughs> No, for, for for some reason, like when I see someone with that, I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, they're they're a dirty slut. I gotta fuck that. But like, <laughs> but she also did like the, uh, oh yeah, the prolapse, and I was like, nope, never again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I wonder what she's doing now. Probably, I don't know. Probably just re- probably just retired. Probably yeah. just hanging out. Good, good for her. Yeah, you I know, she's doing well. She was in uh, that movie. Um, the one with uh, the, 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 the crap. I've I've seen that one. Joaquin, like the play one. Joaquin Phoenix and uh, it was the Pete uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Huh. Like the crap. It has a Joaquin Phoenix inherent vice. Oh, oh, about uh, the based on the fucking novel by um, Thomas Pynchon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. like I never read the book, but yeah, I was like, hey, it's about Belladonna. And, Oh, yeah, she does it briefly, but I mean, that was like, what, 10 years ago? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She got a whole bunch of royalties off that uh, Thomas Pynchon adaptation. Mm-hmm. You know how, you know, people go crazy over Pynchon adaptation. Checks just keep rolling in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a big Pynchon money. <laughs> just gets five cents like every once in a while. A big postmodern money. <laughs> um, Tuvok says that house arrest. Um, is hardly a fair punishment for murder. Janeway says that if they don't get home soon, Suter will be in his room for a long, long time. Like, and really, what is the difference between being stuck in your house and like being stuck in jail other than being stuck in your house costs society a lot less money? Yeah. A lot less money. Mm -hmm. I don't mind if dangerous people are kept in their house. Yeah. Like, unless, like, they're being a danger to others, and then maybe we should, like, think about, like, state housing where they have to live alone and shit like Mm. that. Like, it's just, like, what? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you know. Why is it not a good punishment? They're they're having, like, 60 years, and, like, it'd be criminal themselves, like, to, yeah, I mean, even just keep them in the room, like, for 60 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, like, which is why I'm glad, like, they do put them on a path to rehabilitation. Yeah, Like, to to rejoin um, the rest of the crew, Mm -hmm. which which is, like, the I think should be, like, the goal for everybody. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, yeah, rehabilitation should be the only point of of criminal justice. Rehabilitation, and for the, the very, very few people who are so deeply mentally ill, that they can't mm. like, you know, for them, 
that's, have the services available to help them. Yeah. yeah, that's that's more of a medical issue at that point. Yeah. That's not a criminal justice issue. Yeah. Like criminal justice should be restorative and rehabilitative, but in America especially, we don't give a motherfuck about yeah. that. And it's cuz it's all profit driven cuz like, yeah. you know. I mean it's it's not all profit yeah. driven. So so uh, private prisons are actually the minority mm-hmm. of um of of prisons out there and in as much uh believe it or not like so in California specifically the corrections officers union is the biggest union in the state and in as much holds basically mm-hmm. like some of the most power in the state mm-hmm. and because a lot of things nationally come from you know California or New York because there's so many services there mm-hmm. um you know, a lot of what happens in California colors the entire state, or sorry, the entire country. And so the corrections officers unions are basically coloring corrections in the entire country. And that's why a lot of it is super fucking fucked up. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we're the, having like 80s, like crime wave hysteria type shit yeah. going on. Like, right. right. Like, you know, just like, you know, they want to release, you know, mm-hmm. they want to release uh, people back into the. Uh, criminals back into the into the in society. Right. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? Like, right. and so these <laughs> these um, you know, these unions actually go ahead and they uh, they lobby for stricter laws mm. because stricter laws make it so there's more people in the union, which gives them more power. Yeah. And so it's just this circular thing where it's even worse than private prisons. Yeah. Uh, because they have a motive to just endlessly grow. Yeah. Uh, but I guess private prisons do too. But private prisons can, you know, reach a maximum at some point. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, these these officers' unions are literally getting involved in the law now to fuck yeah. everything up, which which fucking sucks. We hate that. Yeah. Fuck. fuck yeah. Fuck. Fuck unions for corrections officers. Fuck unions for police officers. Yeah. It does suck that they that they are the strongest unions in the United States. It does. And, it's terrible. <laughs> which and they're not even they're not even workers. And no, they they protect the ruling class and they legitimately like fight workers' rights. Yep. Mm-hmm. They fight workers' rights and it fucking sucks. Like if if you doubt this for a second, ask yourself why if your employer Steals a thousand dollars from you. Why is it a civil matter? However, if you steal a thousand dollars from your employer, you will be arrested by the police, mm-hmm. and it is a criminal matter. Ask yeah. yourself that question. Yeah. It's it doesn't make any sense unless the criminal courts are set up entirely for oh, yeah. business interests in the rich, and they mm-hmm. are. Yeah, and it's it's all sorts of fucking fucked up. Yeah, wage but, theft is the biggest. <laughs> and also, that like, happens. and also with the criminal courts. Uh, sorry, with the civil courts, when you have to get your money back, it's also geared towards them because guess who already has a lawyer on retainer? Not you, the fucking working class <laughs> who's having your wages stolen. Mm-hmm. If I can guarantee you, if you are concerned about having your wages stolen and you make like kind of that little money, you can't afford a lawyer. Nope. Which is like, it's the, I mean, no, it's the whole thing is all fucked up. It's mm-hmm. all fucked up. Yeah. Fuck the criminal justice system in America. And honestly, okay. kind of fuck, fuck, you know, the Federation's criminal justice system. <laughs> yeah. It seems punitive and bullshit, man. Yeah, send everyone to Australia. Fuck that. <laughs> we want New Zealand, goddamn. We want New Zealand, too. Yeah. If you had to be sent um, as a punishment to a place, where would where would you go? Hmm. 
Man, that's a good question. I always never know. Like I always like I always second guess myself. I always think like it's a bad decision. Yeah, well it is. So just go for it. <laughs> uh I think I would like, you know, maybe an island. I don't know though. It's hard to say. Like, like Hawaii or Yeah, just like a little beach area. Oh, oh or uh, little St. John's. <laughs> yeah, little St. James. St. James, sorry. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I could just be in prison. It's already striped, so it's like a prison. Right, right, right. <laughs> like but yeah, I could just be there. Just hanging out. Yep. Have my own uh have my own uh, giving yourself massages, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so my own airplane uh runway and stuff like that, that'd be fun. But no airplane. <laughs> Nowhere to land yeah, no plane. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Just invite foreign dignitaries. Mm. Just say you're Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> hope they don't notice. I mean, Alan Dershowitz will show up no matter who you are. Be, That's true. Oh, I get to go back to Little St. James. Oh, boy. They won't let me anywhere in the Catskills or Martha's Vineyard anymore. Or, you know, maybe I would like to be on, uh, like, uh, seasonally they have, like, those uh, places where the people who work, you know, the park rangers and stuff who work on Rainier live. You know what? Maybe that's what they should do with some criminals is make them be park rangers and shit. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> just uh, just getting, getting outdoors, the fresh air. Yeah. Unless that drives people insane. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Um, Where would you go, Britt? Where would I go? Yeah, if you had to be punished and stay somewhere. Oh, I'd go to the bathhouse. <laughs> the bathhouse? Be like, oh, I, I hate the bathhouse. Oh, yeah. They're having all this, like gay sex in there with their <laughs> big penises <laughs> that would be the worst punishment for me someone who definitely doesn't love big penises oh, yeah. you could definitely just rent a room there and just have like you know your little locker no <laughs> i'm just not again <laughs> do they have do they have any sort of like snacks or anything there that you can eat like oh yeah you... they have a full restaurant in the bathroom oh that's cool i don't know if there's like a little snack machine that you have to you'd have to go to your, well, they... get your food <laughs> It's it's more of like a snack bar. They they only sell uh, root beer and chili dogs. <laughs> I don't know. I feel that would get a little messy. Probably when, uh, oh, it does. Yeah. Everyone shits their whole ass out. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. Our. Damn. Uh, I hate us. Uh, Janeway, <laughs> I hate me. Uh, Janeway asks how Suter has been since the mind meld. And Tuvok says he's been doing well. She asks if Tuvok has any unforeseen effects, and he admits that he's more disconcerted than he anticipated. She tries to give him a few days off from meditation, but he rejects the idea. Which, I gotta say, if your employer offers you days off of work, and you reject the idea, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like, you are stupid as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, what are you thinking? Like, unless things are going to completely fall apart and make your job infinitely harder when you get back, <laughs> if your employer is like, I'm giving you paid time off, you are out of that door mm-hmm. yesterday. Oh, yeah. Like, I go back in time with how quickly I am out of that door. I'm like Superman <laughs> at the end of Superman <laughs> 1. You know? I just, I literally make time go backwards with how fast I am out of the door. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny. One time I got called in to work after I had put in for vacation. So I was like in a whole other state. Nice. <laughs> and like, I love and like my, my boss called it like, you think you can come in today? I'm like, uh, I'm like nine hours away. <laughs> just like, <laughs> but yeah, just, just kind of like, yeah, but yeah, like your free time is your free time. Don't go. If you're, if you're going to get offered some free time, take it like a hundred percent. But Always. I think, but I think in this, uh, in this occasion, like two Vox 
probably offended that Janeway would even suggest that he needs to take a take a rest from his job because I feel like he's a little prideful at this moment where right, he right. he thinks there's nothing wrong with him and one and nothing wrong with me two, two nothing, nothing wrong with me three nothing wrong with me four nothing wrong with me one <laughs> um but yeah he's he's that's why something's got to fuck two <laughs> something's got to fuck three something's got to fuck no <laughs> let the bodies hit the floor let the bodies <laughs> but um yeah but he should have he should have taken the time off but he did he could, he wasn't in the right mind space to take that uh take that little time to just like you know you know live laugh love you know focus focus on focus on someone that's Tuvok not yeah yeah you got to get your do your own like um you know do an early pond far for yourself maybe yeah you could have taken a bath you yeah, know take a take a bath feel yourself if you know what i mean mm-hmm. prostate toy. <laughs> who do you think has like the the horniest prostates out of the humanoid species mm. i would have to imagine probably klingon because they theoretically have two do you think like klingons like really come hard when you hit their prostate though i mean i guess who do you think who do you think comes the hardest of the humanoid species when you hit their prostate uh i i think i have to stay with klingon okay i feel like they're they like to tap into their primal senses like vulcans i think i don't think react at all i think they're just stone-faced right right and um humans you know that's kind of like the average (laughs) okay yeah everyone always assumes humans are like the normal or the baseline for everything in star trek because I think like that every or single te- Terrans. I'm sorry, Terrans. Yeah, Terrans. Because I think like you know, like all the other species are like in the, in Star Trek are are just like human emotions or human or human behavior taken to its taken to its extreme. Right, right. And so, uh, so yeah, I think that's why like the, the baseline. Yeah, basically every alien in Star Trek is like, hey, what if it was a like a human, but like. Mm-hmm. There's two things about them that they fu- that they they yeah. fucking love. Like, yeah, because like, yeah, like the humans at this point have reached um so, like you know self actualization. They're mm-hmm. they like we reached a point where we're at a point like uh free from all our you know past problems and everything else. Like mm-hmm. we're self actualized and and so when we are we're addressing like problems that are happening in humanity like we have to use it see it through the lens of a alien species so it's better to to offer that you know emotionally um aesthetic distance and so we can just kind of like you know think about it and without prejudice yeah i guess it'd be nice to see like an alien who's like completely non-human like we're like everything like makes them horny or something like everything <laughs> they find everything sexually stimulating or they just they have trouble with communicating with everyone else for some weird reason yeah what was that one uh in um uh tng what were they called the something incorporated they were like the completely inhuman species right. that you could, they only the the only thing you could see from them was this like a lump like yeah. a lumpy mass like yeah I wanted to see more of those. I thought they were going to make a comeback, but yeah. we never got to see them we like, again. We like a lumpy alien. We like a lumpy, lumpy human alien. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in the mess hall, Neelix uh, bothers Tuvok. Or sorry, uh, right after he rejects the time off, Janeway tells Tuvok to take care of himself as he leaves. Mm. Next, we're in the mess hall, 
Neelix bothers Tuvok, who says he prefer to be alone. Neelix says he'll uh, really leave if he wants him to leave. And Tuvok says he does. He says, go away. Neelix says he doesn't believe him, saying that his voice says go away, but his heart wants him to make him smile. <laughs> we then get the image of Neelix sticking his finger into Tuvok's mouth, which is a very iconic meme blank. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy. Yeah, I love it. I totally forgot that came from this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neelix starts talking about a Talaxian song, and Tuvok immediately grabs his throat, choking him out and killing him in... I gotta say, my favorite, maybe my favorite scene in all of Voyager. Mm-hmm. I fucking love this scene so much. Yeah. Besides, there's that, epi- uh, there's um, in The Barge of Death, there's another scene where someone kills uh, Neelix with a batleth, and I, <laughs> that makes me come hard, too. Um, <laughs> Just watching that in a dark room, like on a, like projecting it computer, like on, on the wall. Computer, replay. <laughs> computer, pause. Smoking computer, a, replay. Smoking a cigarette and being like, that's the shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, uh, Tuvok's, I mean, you're probably about to reveal it. Mm-hmm. It's a holodeck program. What? Huh? I en- I thought that's when the episode ended. Oh, no. Yeah, now it kept going. You didn't watch further? You son of a bitch. I'm so sorry. I'm so Patrick, sorry. you son of a bitch. Yeah, he didn't actually die in that no! moment. <laughs> so Tuvok then says computer and holodeck program. Mm-hmm. And perhaps... One of the most disappointing moments of my yeah. life. And I, I watched this. I watched this three times, and every episode when he said that, I'm like, "God damn, it's so close, son of a bitch." I will say, like you know, Tuvok's uh, holodeck programming is pretty uh, pretty good. He yeah, did, he did. A, he did like a perfectly annoying Neelix. He did. <laughs> like imagine him programming that. He's like, computer is like, what does the character sound like? And Tuvok's like, hmm, how can I do this? Um, <laughs> He sounds like an a little annoying bitch like this kind of. <laughs> He's like looking around behind himself to see if anyone heard it. Like, okay, okay, good. No one heard me do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the Sandrine in the terrible B plot, we're waiting for the results of the latest sweepstakes when Chakotay pulls the pad from Tom Paris's hands and says there won't be any more winners. You're right. This is a really annoying B plot. Like it, it is take, terrible. It, it, it takes away from. Like the main story is so good. It has nothing to do with the main story and it just makes everyone else look like a prick. Yeah. It doesn't even tie, doesn't even tie in tangentially with like, like at all. Like, it's just like, okay, this is also happening, but it's like, it's so low. It's like no stakes, zero stakes. (laughs) No, no, no. Wait, wait. The stakes is a one, one replicator. (laughs) Yeah. The The stakes is having to eat Neelix's dog shit. food. That's high stakes for me, brother. Yeah, Chakotay just pooping on everyone's parade, and that's 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 the stakes in this. Like, meanwhile, we're actually we're dealing with like Tuvok, like like having like a serious moral crisis, right? And honestly, <laughs> Chakotay, I I think honestly, after watching a bunch of Voyager recently, Chakotay is more of a cop than Tuvok, which is strange because yeah. Tuvok is the one being paid to be a cop, and Chakotay is just like a dickhead to everybody, mm-hmm. especially like. He is a huge dickhead to Tom Paris. He's a fucking huge dickhead to Harry Kim a bunch. Um, and when he's, he's not a being dick, a dickhead, he's, he's a just dickhead like... to Neelix, which I respect, but still. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just kind of being sleepy most of the time. And then. Yeah. And, and apparently Robert Beltran hated being on the show after the first season. So it makes mm, sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, he was just like counting the days and just showing up for the paycheck. No. <laughs> Which respect, you know. <laughs> no. Wait, are you telling me this entire Robert Bell is trans? <laughs> um, so Paris says he didn't think Starfleet would have a problem with his little scheme. And Chakotay says, why would Starfleet have a problem with a senior officer running a gambling operation and skimming off of it daily? He confiscates the pad and all the replicator rations with it. I bet he took them for himself, just like a fucking cop. <laughs> like where where'd they go? Where'd they go? Yeah. Back in his fucking pocket. Did they did they He he you know he just he's like uh computer, thirty orders of Navajo fry bread. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like sitting in a corner just like sitting in a corner, just eating and laughing, like <laughs> heritage. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he tells Paris that the captain would be disappointed in him and he's on report. Paris has a really weird line here where he says, uh, filling out reports is a hard job, but somebody's got to do it. And he goes back to playing pool and like Chakotay like smiles at the door and leaves. <laughs> this B plot sucks so much for how good this episode is. Yeah. Like if, if they just didn't have a B plot, this episode would be like a 10 out of 10. Oh yeah. But yeah. straight up this this B plot like takes it down a couple pegs because there's five to ten minutes of the episode that don't work and are dumb and I don't like them. Yeah, yeah. Nothing nothing happens that affects no. the main story at all and it just makes everyone it's like it's like a slice of life that makes everyone look like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean that would that would that would be nice to like uh have like a version that's edited without it, but yeah, I feel like it kind of deflates the rest of the rest of the what rest of what's happening. It certainly does. It makes it it makes it very flaccid. It was a flaccid mm-hmm. decision on their part. Mm-hmm. So Michael Pillar, if you're listening up in hell, <laughs> <laughs> no, if you if you're uh, listening up in heaven, uh, good job for the most part. Yeah, yeah, you know we 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 we, we nine out of ten. Yeah, 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 eight and a half. <laughs> I mean. Really, what I think I think for some reason what bothers me most about the B plot is the end of the last scene of the B plot where Tom Paris and Harry Kim are walking out of the door, mm-hmm. and Tom Paris is describing the, the the prime rib dinner he's going to be eating. I don't know why, but that sucked. Yeah, that sucked a lot. I don't know why it sucked so much, but it sucked a lot. And I was yeah. like, this sucks. And it's so funny that this this. Like shit is going down, mm-hmm. and the rest of the ship. Like, yeah, like Tuvok is losing his goddamn <laughs> yeah, shit. Tuvok's, there has been a murder. Mm-hmm. Like there's never been just like you know someone um, on the ship murdering another person on and, the ship. And Harry Kim is in engineering. He should be yeah. concerned about this, maybe. Yeah. And no one, and they're just like you know just dicking around. And meanwhile, yeah, shit's going. Like it's Janeway and the EMH just holding shit down, basically. And Kess. Like yeah, of all people, and, and, and like fucking, and uh, Chakotay like learned earlier about this murder. Yeah, and he, he immediately checked out after he's like, "Oh, Suter, now he's creepy." And yeah, and he fucking he's he's checked out the the rest of the episode yeah. on this whole plot line. And theoretically, Chakotay should have more like responsibility over Suter than anyone else. Considering yeah, def- he was yeah definitely more so than like Janeway. Yeah, like he should be taking yeah take t- he should have taken point on this, but maybe. They asked Robert Beltran. He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, I'm busy that week doing um, not this show. Uh, nothing. Yeah. There's <laughs> too many lines. Just let me go and ruin everyone's fun in the holodeck. I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, put, 
Put me on the fucking B plot again, all right, Mike? Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah, all your A plots for me are dog shit. Just put me on the fucking B plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care if you make me look like a dick. Just don't make me look like a doofus-ass, like, Native American fucking Tonto character. <laughs> yeah. So, um, back with Suter, he wakes up from a sleep and sees Tubok staring at him <laughs> in the brig. Uh, Tubok asks how he's feeling. And he says he's feeling centered. He can feel the difference as though he can observe the violence within himself without letting it get too close. He calls it remarkable. Tuvok says it will not be a permanent change unless he commits to a strict daily routine of meditation and mental exercise and tantric masturbation. <laughs> he also just suggests... Edging and never coming. Yeah, just... just uh, saving your sperm. Like, yeah. you're going to be a violent man until you start not coming. <laughs> that's that's where it's at. It makes you, it brings you back to uh, primality or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You, you do the paleo, you don't come. That's how you get healthy. <laughs> uh, he also suggests a series of holodeck programs to help Suter release his violent urges. Hopefully, they all involve killing Neelix. <laughs> it's like, holodeck program six. Oh, it's another Neelix one. Holodeck program 38. Neelix? <laughs> Neelix. Holodeck program 104. Neelix? <laughs> just running him over with a tank. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, just like all these over different scenarios. <laughs> just his legs. Neelix, like, ah! Neelix is a Nazi just running him over with an American tank. Just <laughs> yeah. liberating fucking Dachau from Neelix. <laughs> They just park the tank on his knees and then just go and like <laughs> stomp on him. <laughs> I love the idea of Neelix being a Nazi collaborator <laughs> and just like Americans running him over with a tank. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, how can I assist you, Mr. Hemmler? <laughs> Zig Heil! <laughs> 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 uh, Suter says that holographic violence does not give the same feeling as real violence. No. Tuvok suggests targeted neurosynaptic therapy, which Suter says did not work for him. Suter says since the meld, he feels capable of controlling himself. He asked Tuvok for his assistance in learning to stay that way and save his semen. <laughs> Suter says it must be difficult for Tuvok to know violence like he does. Tuvok says he's studied violence for a hundred years, which is the most like red pill dumbass thing I've ever yeah. done. And Suter says studying something. I've in studied ne- the blade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Suter says studying something and knowing it are two very different things. He calls violence attractive. Plus, in that time, Tuvok's never heard of like random acts of violence of any kind. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. That I mean it's common. It happens, you know. And it's like yeah. you know. He's never heard of Klingons. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, dude. Tuvok says, on the contrary, I find it disturbing. Suter says it is still attractive, perhaps because it doesn't require logic. Perhaps that's why it's liberating. He says it's ironic he can share with Tuvok what he's hidden from everybody his entire life. He asks if they can meld again. Tuvok says that would not be advisable. Suter says he understands. He says a meld is almost an act of violence in a way. Mm -hmm. A penetration. 
Yeah. Will dissolving will. Uh, I wish it was will dissolving will. Uh, uh, no, not Riker. Never mind. Will <laughs> Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Into yeah. a vat of acid. Uh, he <laughs> instead says, of just like the uh, the cum vat that we always have, that we have him in right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little little Wesley Crusher toy inside the jar. <laughs> yeah, I should do that. That'd be that'd be good for the podcast. There you go. Oh yeah, you could have like a like a live can't like a live <laughs> so it's just constantly being filmed, <laughs> just from off camera. You constantly just filled, constantly filmed. <laughs> um. So he says, uh, a melt might fail and kill someone if one were to lose control. Tuvok is mad about this for some reason and leaves immediately and goes into his quarters. He orders the computer to place security seals around his room and erases his access codes, trapping him inside. He tells the computer to inform the captain he is no longer fit for duty. Music, commercial break. Janeway arrives at Tuvok's quarters and orders the security seals lifted. She enters the room and it's totally fucking wrecked. Shit everywhere. Tuvok is in a dark corner and advises Janeway not to enter. She does anyway, and he asks she to do not come any closer. But she does anyway. She asks for him to talk to her. He tells her to leave. She says they need to get Tuvok to sickbay. But he says it would be safer for the crew if he were to remain in quarters, since he is trained in many martial arts. Mm-hmm. He says sitting there, he has calculated all the ways to kill a man with just a finger, a hand, or a foot. I'll do if I could just kill a man. <laughs> he, he had gotten to <laughs> 94 when he entered, which is like, again, the most, I'm a Navy SEAL online. Yeah. Thing. It's like, all right, do it. Let me see it, Tuvok. Yeah, fucking kill me, bitch. I'm done with this shit. <laughs> Tuvok stands up, and he's in rough shape. I think he's just been sweating a lot. Yeah. He says for safety reasons he should be sedated before transport and Janeway nods. He just wants to get high. <laughs> he wants to get, he's like, give me that, give me that. Do you have any um the ketamine? <laughs> yeah, just give me that. That's, that. that's good stuff, man. I'm violent and whatever. Came me up. Yeah. In Medbay, Kess and the doctor have found chemical imbalances in two ox brains, specifically where Vulcan's psychosuppression systems are located. The doctor says mind melds are utter nonsense, as nobody with an ounce of sense would share his brain with someone else. It's weird that he uses the adage, an ounce of sense, when we figure ounces haven't been used in maybe mm. hundred years at this point. Yeah, you're like, right. I was like, what? Ounce? <laughs> I mean, maybe weed still, but nothing mm. else. Uh, Janeway asks if Tuvok can be helped. The doctor isn't sure is there is a recommended course of treatments, but he doesn't know its efficacy. They have to remove his control of violence in order to shock his system into having his own Vulcan neural controls take over again. They revive Tuvok and begin treatment. Tuvok gets up and starts going fucking wild. And this Mm. scene is great. Yeah. The doctor says he's temporarily removed Tuvok's emotional suppression capabilities and asks how he feels. Tuvok says simply that he feels. Janeway asks if he knows where he is, and he says it's, he does. He's just not sure who he is. Tuvok says he feels very strong and powerful, euphoric even. He says this must be how his ancestors felt. He asked to be kept in this state to study 
how his ancestors were. The doctor refuses and says he's not prepared to do that. Tuvok says, you are not invulnerable, hologram. <laughs> a few well-chosen commands in the computer and you will cease to exist, which is a fucking crazy-ass threat from him. Yeah. And the doctor is actually sweating about this. Yeah, the doctor's he, like, he concerned. like, oh, like, shit. <laughs> uh, Tuvok goes fucking wild here, going off on the captain. He says he could stay in his room and relax, since that's how they treat violent offenders on the ship. Mm-hmm. Janeway says Tuvok is not a violent offender. And he says he could be, just like Suter. He says that although the other Tuvok would not have said it, Janeway is wrong. Sparing Suter's life is a sign of weakness. He tells her she disgusts him. He asks her to admit that part of her wants Suter to die for what he did. She says no part of her feels that way. And he calls her a liar, which is pretty, pretty sick. This whole scene is just mm-hmm. fucking sick. Like he's going wild. And this yeah. is one of the few like unrestrained Tim Russ moments in the entire series. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Russ can fucking act. Capital yeah. A act. Yeah. He's real good here. Real yeah. Good. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's like by by contract all the like the characters who have to suppress their emotions get like at least a couple episodes where they get to go ham. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, there's there's also the episode where like he uh rem- like uh a transport accident fucks him up. Mm-hmm. It's like a him and um Neelix episode and he like kind of goes um um the the special needs. Um <laughs> He smashes two to uh uh Neelix with a with a hammer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I was like, that sounds sick. What episode <laughs> is that? Man? I want more Neelix getting fucking murked. That's all I watch up the fucking Voyager for. More. Oh, now we know what your um what your uh, oh my fantasy. fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just Neelix dying, <laughs> dying in a million different ways. Um. So. Tuvok asks the captain to give Darwin's family the satisfaction of an execution. He asks her to release the force field so that he may go execute Suter himself, which is sick as fuck. He then begs Kess to break the force field and tries to telepathically convince her to do it. She says she's had his telepathically abilities blocked as well. He puts his hand into the force field and passes out right as the treatment ends. They put him back on the bed And the doctor says, in his head, Tuvok is fighting the classic battle between good and evil. And that the battle may be won in a day, a year, or may never be won. And then he walks away, which made me wonder, when does the EMH, like, walk away? Mm. Hmm. He's going to do something else. Uh, Yes. I would personally, I'd probably be just, like, zipping everywhere, like, teleport. Exactly. Like, he can just teleport wherever he wants to go. He doesn't need to walk anywhere. Technically, all of them can just teleport wherever they want if they wanted to. I guess, but the EMH can like do it at his will. Yeah, just go boop, to... boop, boop, boop. Yeah, because he's yeah. He's... You can just think about it and happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he just yeah. does it to to like make sure to look more human. I guess. Yeah, so, not not make people lose their minds. <laughs> uh, so, um, later in sick bay, Tuvok wakes up very confused now. He's still trapped in a force field and removes his neural nodes. He takes a small piece of metal off of them and uses it to disconnect a power conduit and then disables the force field by sticking the electronics into it. 
He walks into the brig and incapacitates the guard on duty, which unfortunately we don't see. Mm-hmm. Suter says he wondered what happened to Tuvok, and they wouldn't tell him anything. Tuvok says there were complications with the meld, that he's been undergoing therapy in sickbay, but it didn't work. Suter asks if Tuvok has come to kill him, and Tuvok confirms this. <laughs> Tuvok says he will take no comfort in it. Suter says it's a most logical use of violence to punish the violent. He says he's prepared to die, but asks if Tuvok is prepared to kill. Mm-hmm. And this dialogue here is so good. Yeah. Like, the two of these guys play off each other well. Mm-hmm. They're both killing it here. Um, Tuvok says it must be done for justice. Suter asks if it's justice or if it's vengeance. He promises Tuvok will not silence his demons. He says, if you can't control the violence, then the violence controls you. Mm. Tuvok grabs him and starts a mind meld. Suter looks like he's coming, and then Tuvok falls down, exhausted, and he passes out. Suter calls the bridge on Tuvok's comm badge and tells Chakotay that Tuvok needs some help, and Chakotay's like, what are you doing with a comm badge? (laughs) Captain's log, supplemental. Ensign Suter has been incarcerated in secured quarters where he will likely spend the rest of our journey home. Lieutenant Tuvok remains under observation in sickbay. We're back in sickbay, and the doctor tells Tuvok that his inability to kill Suter shows that his suppression systems are beginning to work again, and that he will likely make a full Vulcan recovery. Tuvok apologizes to Janeway for insulting her and tells her that he has the highest respect for her and considers her a dear friend. Mm. I shall always (laughs) be your friend. (laughs) Uh, Janeway accepts his apology, but orders him to never conduct any more mind melds without her permission. The end of the episode! The end of the episode! What do you feel? How do you, you like this episode? I liked it a lot. It's one of my favorites. I like the character <laughs> Suter. I like what they do with him later. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not well, not entirely. I mean, I do have some issues with like, you know, we'll, we'll get into it if we ever yeah. do that episode. But like, um, like I do like uh, the relationship that he and Tuvok form. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like how the message is of like rehabilitation and seeking yeah. redemption for criminals and like and. Absolutely. And, um, and I, f- and, you know, Suter does have some great lines, you know, it's like, you know, you know, he's violent, but, you know, killing, killing him won't actually, supp- you know, stop his violent thoughts. Right, right. <laughs> like, like, and so, and so really like violence wins in the end by giving into the violence. Right. Yeah. 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 I fucking love this episode. Yeah. It was great. Except for the B plot. The B plot is fucking dog shit. Yeah. And like if they edited out the B plot, I don't care if the episode's only thirty five minutes long. <laughs> it's a better episode for it. It is, yeah. I mean I'm wondering if they just thought they needed some sort of like levity to the to the episode. Yeah. But I feel like the levity kind of came from like No, the levity to, to uh Neelix's bits. Yeah, and, and like Neelix getting murked and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was great. But yeah, like it it was very bizarre to just suddenly cap cut to like you know this this uh this gambling ring that tom paris has set up <laughs> right <laughs> that'd be funny if like if they're just like well we've we've put suitor we've uh, cont- uh put suitor to his uh to his quarters where he'll spend the rest of our journey 
Tom Paris, we have fired out of the airlock <laughs> for, for his illegal gambling ring that he set up. <laughs> we're we're okay with murderers yeah but gamblers gamblers get out of die yeah just like yeah just it's just sort of funny like but yeah i mean if they if they had a b plot that's somehow like tied into the to the main plot and and affected it in in some way i feel that would have like redeemed it a bit yeah like and they had characters that they could have utilized like they could have gone to Torres or Harry Kim mm-hmm. and talked about like the fallout in engineering yeah. after this guy's death. Like that could have been interesting. Yeah, no one's no. Uh, I no feel... one gives a fuck about Darwin <laughs> except for the fact that Souter killed him. I feel yeah, and that's the thing. Like uh, it also this also makes it seem like the rest of the rest of the crew is completely uncaring. Because yeah. like um, no one gives a fuck about this or talks about it yeah, except I, for the was, senior that, command. That would have probably been the biggest news. It also would have had other unintended consequences like create divisions between the Starfleet officers and the Maquis. Yeah, because, true, true. Because like because a Maquis killed a Starfleet officer. Yeah, and that would and <laughs> and that was and that would like create some tension. But there is no tension with that. That's completely left, completely untouched. True, and um. So then, and, and yeah, and then like, also like the other bridge officers, like Tuvok, they're close, uh, their, their, uh, their fellow officer is currently having like a huge mental crisis. And they're not talking about (laughs) it. They're not talking about it or, or bothering to come see if he's okay. No, Tom Paris is too concerned with his prime rib dinner. (laughs) Yeah. He's too concerned about about getting prime rib. Prime rib with the mashed potatoes. Yeah. um, yeah. Oh, Tuvok's losing his mind right now. Uh, I'm going to play pool in my French fuck fuck zone. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But yeah, but otherwise good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strong. A mm -hmm. plot, very weak B plot, but thankfully the B plot was maybe five to seven minutes of the entire. Yeah. Yeah. And and also Brad Dora fucking fucking kills it. Like I would have loved it if he actually became like a, recurring like a more recurring character yeah or if they brought him back for any of the new star trek like he's so good yeah 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 he's he's i mean he's an awesome character actor and like he's he can't be too old now like he's i mean he's he's probably in his 40s here he's he's probably an older guy but you know he's a great actor he is yeah and obviously not incredibly expensive no (laughs) so (laughs) yeah he could he could he's on upn not that expensive he he definitely could have been one of those guys that has like a jeffrey comb style like um career with star trek yeah, just we like love Combs, just love playing Combs. multiple characters and you know multiple villains, you know, and all that stuff. Like he, he would have been great at it. Like I would love, to, I would love to see him. Right? That would be totally cool with me. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was uh, that was all the new Trek, all the old Trek for the week. And with that, uh, do you want to get into some subspace? Oh, whoa, whoa! Before that, let's go ahead and figure out uh, what episode we're going to be doing oh, yeah. for next week. Um, Woo-hoo. So each week we uh, we roll a dice, find a number between what eight hundred and ten, I think, yeah. was the episodes we haven't reviewed so far. Eight twenty, looks like. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was actually eight ten. That was wrong, but um, we can use the eight twenty because I doubt we're going to get anything above that. All right. Yeah. So uh, let's do the third number here. All right. All right. First number. What's the what's the difference between start and go? I don't know. Oh, I see. Go? No. Roll? There we go. So it's not going to be that one. Not going to be that one. Are you ready for the third number? Yeah. Here it is. What we're watching next week is episode 391. Wow, mm. it's 
it's going to be like four episodes before this, I think. Wow. Wait, wait, no. Like eight episodes before this. So it's going to be Voyager. Um, Watch it be a Tuvok episode. Well, actually, you know what? It might not be because this is when the shows were running concurrently. Mm. So it uh, it could be a DS9 episode. Ooh, I hope so. Or, yeah, it could be a DS9 episode. So far, the random number generator loves uh, TNG episodes and Tuvok Voyager episodes. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so the 391st uh, episode of Star Trek ever filmed is going to be Resistance. Which is uh, just four episodes behind the meld, the one we just watched. <laughs> Season two, episode 12 of Voyager. Hell Resistance. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll be watching that one next week. Sick. Indeed. Um, and with that, would you like to get into some subspace transmissions? Hells yeah. Let's do it, baby. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. This is Subspace Transmissions. This is the part of the show where we go and find internet comments from all around the internet, uh, whether it be on the shows we just watched or Star Trek in general or, you know, whatever, just minutia. Mm-hmm. Star Trek internet minutia. Is there, <laughs> has there been anything uh, going on in Star Trek internet this week that's particularly interested you? I'm sorry? The DeMar thing? Oh, no, no, no. Not not quite yet. Uh-oh. No, no, no. We're not, we're not there quite Uh-oh. yet. We'll get there. Uh, no. Uh, just, <clears throat> just checking out the memes. Fair. Mostly, fair. yeah. So speaking of memes, uh, something has been happening on Star Trek um, Twitter this week mm. that I think has been especially funny. Oh. Uh, Robert Picardo has been finding a lot of Harry Wong, or uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, Officer Harry Kim memes uh, about him not getting promoted and sending them all to Garrett Wong, who played, um, you know, Ensign Harry Kim. Mm-hmm. And it's... and. Garrett Wong, like, obviously doesn't love these memes, but he's just very passively aggressive being like, yeah, thanks, Robert. <laughs> I already have this one on my timeline. Very funny. Ha ha. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, same, same old fucking dumbass internet. Plus, uh, Robert Picardo is a bit of a trickster. You know, he likes... He's a little bit mischievous, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's all over Twitter. He really seems to enjoy Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter space. Good, 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 funny stuff. So, mm. uh, internet comments this week. I went ahead and went to, uh, was it Rotten Tomatoes? No, it was uh, IMDb. And I looked at reviews for the episode we watched this week. Oh, hells yeah. Uh, Voyager's episode Meld. So, starting out, uh, Plankton Rules says on the 14th of February, 2015, I much prefer Tuvac this way. This episode takes place completely aboard Voyager, usually a sign that it's a crappy show. (laughs) However, this one is actually excellent. The show begins with the body of a murdered crew member being discovered. Wrong. It begins at Paris 3. Yeah. Crewman Suda is soon identified as the killer, and this Betazoid soon admits he did it, and it seems that he murdered because he enjoyed killing as Tuvac is in charge of the case, he's completely perplexed as this sort of antisocial thinking is completely unwelcome. So, he attempts to use a mind meld to help Suta to become more normal as well as understand him. Unfortunately, this also turns Tuvac into an antisocial personality with a strong desire to kill. 
Neelix in particular, which is very understanding. What's to become of these two crazed crew members? Mm-hmm. Brad Dourif stars a suitor, and this is very interesting, as he played a murderer on Babylon 5 as well. Mm. One who is captured and who is punished in a most unusual and interesting manner. <laughs> Either way, this is a fascinating episode of Star Trek Voyager, and well worth seeing. Nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. That's about what I rated it. Yeah, except for B plot, fucking sucks. Yeah, B plot sucks. Suck my dick, B plot. Hitchcock says on August nineteenth, twenty eighteen. Too much ability. Six out of ten stars. <laughs> the basic plot is quite good. We have the murder of an unfortunate crewman by a psychotic fellow crewman. He admits to the murder, and Tuvac is given the job of investigating the reasons. He cannot conceive of a person doing something so horrible without a motive of some kind. Our Vulcan decided that he will do a mind meld with the guy to try to figure things out, leading to some real complications. Tuvac's personality is compromised, and he begins to to exhibit violent behavior. The reason for dropping this about three stars is the conclusion where the medical staff is able to do things regarding the brain that is so beyond possibility. Even in these future societies. What the fuck do you mean that's beyond po- And mind melds are a, a possibility? What mm. are you talking about? Vulcans do magic. <laughs> Vulcans do space magic, and you're mad that they have some medical stuff that fixes his brain? Yeah. What? Like, well, probably that they're able... Yeah, I mean, that is weird. Like, No, uh, it's dumb, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. That, that dude's a big, big, dumb dummy, right? Big, dumb, dumb. Big, 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 dumb. Alex, 594-514-783, definitely not a bot. It says on August 8th, 2019, I love this episode, but Tuvok's confusion is odd. He says, hmm. Tuvok is smart, and he knows how flawed minds can be. Even Vulcan minds. Suter not having a motive for killing really shouldn't have been all that perplexing to Tuvok. Suter is clearly mentally ill. (laughs) That should have been a logical enough explanation, but instead Tuvok acts like there's no logic about it and has an existential crisis. It's not a black mark against the episode or anything especially since he really starts to fall apart after melding with Suter, <laughs> giving Tuvok a taste of the crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is fair. I mean, he doesn't, he, he can't accept the fact that like, a uh, you know, random acts of violence do happen sometimes. Yeah. And why, why like the reasons may not be completely understandable to the, to outside forces, you know, so other people like, observing it like it takes total sense of the person who perpetuated it mm-hmm. so like you know someone you think like someone who had studied crime 
and then split for over a hundred years. Would, or you mean you studied violence for a hundred yeah, years? Yeah, studied violence for over a hundred years would kind of have some sort of concept of that. Even even if he doesn't personally understand it, he knows it happens. Yeah, which is I, I agree with that. It's really weird he doesn't get it. At yeah, all. and like honestly, if he would have listened to like anybody in this episode, like fucking the doctor is saying, "Hey, is." Clearly just off his rocker. Don't worry about it. Or listening to Janeway saying, hey, take some time off. Like, yeah. if you listen to, if Tuvok listened to anybody in this episode besides his own, you know, internal fucking voice, his conscience, like, none of this would have happened. And actually, yeah, like, Janeway suggested to take some time to meditate. Yeah. Would, and he's like, no, would, I don't need to. Yeah, like, and it, during his meditation, like, he doesn't get it now, mm-hmm. but he wanted answers immediately. Yeah. By meditating on it, like he could have, like you know, that's when you know the Vulcans like think think deeper about a subject, right? And he probably would have been able to explore this this scenario more into his mind and kind of like figure out the like, even though it's not logical to him, it's lo- it was logical to Suter to commit the crime. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think Vulcans listen to a lot of Super Tramp the song, <laughs> the Logic song? I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they, it's like... I bet they just like Breakfast in America in general. It's a good album. <laughs> what year did that come out? 82. Okay. Sure. I was about to say, like, I wonder, if, it's, I wonder if it ties in with their, with their obsession with Nixon. Oh, maybe. <laughs> like, the 19, <clears throat> 1970s. All right. Uh, that, was a, that was a boom time for Vulcan. Last rating for... Last review for this episode here. Uh... Brian Johnson 20043 says on the 21st of February 2021 average uh, average overall episode which is really easy to remember overall is better than average I'd say that the main Tuvok storyline is better than a 7 out of 10 but the B story <laughs> brings the score down to a 7 out of 10 for me yeah I'm guessing that when I wouldn't be surprised if most of the people who grade meld don't even think or remember Kim and Paris gambling in the pool room holodeck program. It doesn't seem to connect well with the main storyline for this episode. The main storyline is probably worthy of about an 8.5 out of 10 to me. If it was on its own. Unfortunately, it's not on its own. However, I still think it's not a bad episode overall. To me, a 7 out of 10 is an average Voyager episode. And that's about what this episode is (laughs) overall to me. I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's fair. I mean... It is like yeah, as we discussed, like the B plot, unnecessary mm-hmm. <laughs> and very weird, and 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 uh, especially considering like the other things that are happening, like it just it it definitely feels like something that they tacked on at the last minute. Like they knew they already had like the French set, right? They had uh, they you know they had Harry, they had uh, they had Paris. They and they it had, seems like such a waste of money for a set. I hope they stole it from some other show on UPN. I mean, probably it does seem like uh, does seem. I bet if you looked, like I bet, like in some other, sh- yeah, show they probably utilize it in some old timey thing. But uh, but 
But yeah, I think they just had the set. They had the extras that could fill in for people at the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, they, and then they're just like, all right, I wrote this real quick in the bathroom. Just like roll with it. <laughs> we yeah. just got to we gotta pad some time out now for a little like little bit of a little respite from uh, from the main plot. Yep. Hey, Wang, get <laughs> uh, get ready for some screen time, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, so next we're going to, uh, unfortunately, because we review it so so soon thereafter, we don't have any reviews for the uh, new um, Lower Decks episode. No. On yeah. IMDb, we do have some kind of reviews on Reddit. They have a episode discussion on there. So I'm going to read some comments on oh, that. Yeah, I wish I could read them. But I've been banned from Reddit. Well, that's my fault, actually, for <laughs> telling you exactly where to post something that I thought wouldn't get you banned. Yeah. But you got banned. I did get banned. Given it was a great meme. Thank you. I, it still makes Oh, me I mad. reworked it. Oh, yeah, I saw. I saw yeah, yeah, I sent it to you. That's right, yeah. I'm saving it for 9-11, obviously. Beautiful. Love that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Starfleet Time Lord uh, says two days ago, or really when the, the episode came out, This cold open is such a TOS premise. The show is so good at executing the premise of just cleaning up after normal Trek episodes. Mm. Which I agree with. Yeah. That's largely the episode is like we're cleaning up after something else. Yeah, the um, Murakami, what's his name? Like the the main guy. Yeah, yeah. And and it explains that they're like a support ship, so that makes sense. Uh, The Strange Alchemy of Command. I think I like the new direction for Ransom as the most out-of-touch Starfleet officer in the fleet with minimal respect for departments outside of his own. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't know. It's it's too much of a, like, a comedic trope, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's definitely like uh, the office guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the Cerritos having the worst reputation in the fleet. On the one hand, it fits and it's funny. On the other, I loved the idea... That it was just an average vessel in comparison to the top-tier flagships we usually see. Ten minutes later, never mind. Having it being the top of the bottom feels better to me. <laughs> Similarly, while the idea of Leah Brahms is a Federation sex symbol is hilarious, I don't know how I feel about another unrequested simulation of her hitting on another engineer. I thought it was great. I think it's yeah. kind of dumb here. Clown Klingons. Perfect. S tier. I agree. It's funny. Yeah. Take the rock. <laughs> Tiana literally operates with a chainsaw. She's perfect for shacks. They already fucked, so whatever. Yeah, it, the fact that like that Cations exist, do you think like do you think furry porn is more or less prevalent? Do you think like this is have real life equivalent of of furries so they don't need to actually well, have at that persons. point furries are just cation weebs aren't they yeah 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 i guess it would kind of be seen as racist to be dressing up as a cat oh yeah that'd be cat face yeah, that'd be cat face yeah, yeah. you're really in cation face right now dog <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah i wonder and plus there is also birds i mean i'm and there's also like you know like the, the dragon you know the dinosaurs you know, so we have all these different things. Like, I feel like maybe with real life examples of it, you don't need to have like fursuits anymore. Or uh, unless you wanted to dress up as yourself. Oh, man. 
Yeah, well, I think we figured out a new chapter in the next philosophy of Star Trek edition. Yeah, <laughs> the, for like furry porn and its consequences. <laughs> Cation porn and its consequences. <laughs> All right, uh, next we got a long rambly comment from Prometheus Liberatus. Oh man, with a name like that, you know this is going to be a great comment. Uh, it says. Wow, that's a really nice bit of alliteration homophones for the title. Let's see how things go down. And then he like kind of like live tweeted this. Uh, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I wrote myself in as a main character. His name is Speedy McWheels. Line from the episode. Deliberate yeah. play on old speed mock racer. Eh? I don't know what he means. Mm. Oh, damn it. My seventh grade geology teacher turned me into stone. I feel it, sir. I know you do, too. And this bird-boned fella is Boimler. Mariner with the glare of death. Wait, what the fuck did Bird Jude just tell Tendy to do with Freeman? What did he call him? Bird Dude. Oh, okay. I thought he said called him something else. But he said Bird Jew. <laughs> bird. <laughs> I was just like, wait. Hey, he's, he's the Bird Jew. He's, he's got all the, the pigeons. You know, the guy <laughs> on the roof. He's called the Bird Jew? Oh, my God. Um. It's like the, the the counterpart to the bear Jew. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got the bear Jew. He knocks in all the Nazi schools, and this weak guy right here, he's the bear Jew. He does. He, he does our taxes. Real good guy. He does a dance and pecks out their eyes. <laughs> um, let's kick their asses Cerrito style. We can try, but uh, they're kind of amazing. Mariner's fantasy is Jennifer the Andorian? That blush is real on Mariner. I hate this person and the way they're commenting. I really like how the silicon-based life form makes no distinguishment what you call selactate life, we just call life. Okay. Yeah. I can make you an insta-captain, Boimler. Presents full set of pips. Wow, I hate this guy so much. <laughs> Getting all gung-ho about things, because things to go tipsy over and breaky takes notes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We got a kukulikin. Uh, Great. A Borg anaconda. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, get on Twitter, dude. What the fuck are you doing what, here? What Fears and fantasies I get, but why access that part of your brain? I don't know, man. Just watch the damn episode. Oh, uh, there's a bunch of stuff out there that doesn't make sense. He's like just giving his favorite lines from the episode and like his favorite moments, but like without any context. Yeah. Like how I'm going to have to cut this guy's foot off so we can grow him a new one. Doc is surprisingly enthusiastic about the chainsaw. By surprisingly. <laughs> you guys lucked out. We're getting the full Cerritos experience today. They would have heard top secret communications, deployments. Guys, please, please tell them my people. I know we just did an episode about, like, why people shouldn't be executed. Yeah, but... This guy am... needs to be executed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> out, right out the airlock, motherfucker. This guy needs an execution. Uh, he, he has one more thing to say. Oh. Well, that was a fun episode. Surprised they got the timing right for some current event shenanigans with our own classified Intel being for sale clusterfuck we got going on now, but doubt the writers saw that coming. Damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, let's 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 bring back the guillotine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, shoot this guy out the airlock. Or, yeah. you know, just increase his medication or give him medication. Just yeah, he definitely. He needs a mind melt, maybe, with someone <laughs> yeah. who's not f- a fucking idiot. Like, um, someone who spends a little less time on the internet. Uh-oh, that's not me. Uh, not not either of us, really. Yeah. Uh, oopsie. <laughs> um, so... That's uh, that's all the we're gonna do talking about the that for the week. Uh, cool. Now we're gonna get into a weird space we haven't really talked about before too much on the podcast. No. A, um, it is a Facebook group that yeah. we know as Star Trek Ship Posting, and everyone yeah. knows it as that because that's the that's the name of the group. Yeah. And um, you know, it's the place that I basically repost uh, and cross post like all of the memes from on our Facebook page because it's a huge platform yeah. and has a lot of people with like similar senses of humor to yeah, us. There's some hilarious shit that gets posted. In there, there is some hilarious shit, but the vast major- majority of shit that's posted on there fucking <laughs> sucks. Yeah. It's dog shit. Yeah. And it's like, like I get a bunch of memes rejected on there and I have no idea why. And some of the dog shittiest, lowest tier, fucking lowest common denominator, dumbass fucking <laughs> memes no to low to no effort dog shit gets posted on there all the fucking time yeah. um by the fucking mods and their friends mm-hmm. really and really any online space is determined by the people running it yeah. like the mods and the user base but the problem is there are a ton of unfunny users here and a ton of unfunny stupid mods <laughs> and in as much we got something a while ago uh, known to by people, some people as Demar memes, some people yeah. as like Demar chili dog memes, some people Demar shit his whole ass out. Why don't you explain this to us? Because you're on there maybe more than I am. Yeah, just like uh, the one that's been like on the on the month is like uh like Demar eating chili dogs and root beer and shitting his pants, and it seems like it's like every every single one that's posted. <laughs> It's yeah. in some variation of it. Yeah, and, and at this point, like, it's gotten so bad that, like, every meme, it's no longer a Damar meme. They're all post-Damar memes complaining about Damar memes, <laughs> yeah. which is, like, even worse, I think, maybe. Yeah. Because it, it, like, it just lacks ingenuity in the greatest way. Yeah. But I like the way that it evolved, as I think you're getting to, yeah. However. <laughs> but I like, I mean, like, I think it's, like, funny funny cringe oh yeah it's definitely cringe it's 100 percent cringe and it is like the the story of it is funny and yeah. it's a funny tale to tell mm-hmm. um and so in as much like this got to be a huge thing on a very significant facebook group that has like 120,000 followers something like that maybe yeah. more um and so a lot of people saw this right mm-hmm. however um there's a problem with with fandoms there's a problem with star trek in particular and there's a problem with people who are online entirely too much. And in as much, all 
three of those problems collided into an IRL event uh, that you sent our, uh, our, our Star Trek uh, or Soy Trek um, uh, group chat. Yeah, I, I saw that uh, when I was waiting to go into work and I was just like, oof. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it, was, I thought it was like the funniest thing that I've ever seen. It is funny. It, at the same time, it is pathetic. Yeah, I also don't, I, I was worried that I didn't know if it was a joke or not. Like if they were just like, or if he actually said it. And I was like, I hope for the God that he didn't do it. But I, I think he did. There's no way he didn't do it. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why in a second. So Andrew San Juan posts five hours ago when you sent this. So this was only like a week ago. Yeah. Obviously from some sort of convention. I'm not sure if it was. Uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. Oh, was, oh yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, it definitely was mm-hmm. Las Vegas. You're right. So Andrew San Juan says, took the risk of getting banned for life and asked Mr. Casey about chili dogs and root beer. (laughs) Mr. Vaughn thought it sounded good, but I quickly added that the whole idea doesn't end well for DeMar. Unfortunately, he has not heard about chili dogs or root beer at all. And, and the picture here is absolutely amazing. So it's, yeah, it's two two of the actors. I think they both played Cardassians at one point. Yeah, Damar and uh, but but they're they're like wearing tuxedos and like this one guy, the guy who played Damar. Hey, like, let me see the picture. He has his t- his his bow tie off, right? And I think the, that's Andrew Robinson. That's next to him. Oh, is that Andrew Robinson? Maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't. I don't think so. But I can't tell. Um, but so the guy who played Damar in one picture is just like looking at something that he's signing. <laughs> And then in the next picture, he has his hand to his ear like, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah. And then the third picture is just this this kid smiling at the camera while the DeMar guy has gone back to whatever the fuck he's doing yeah. and not listening to this asshole being a fucking idiot. Um, don't, don't do this to people. Don't, <laughs> don't try to explain memes about people to those people because there's two possibilities. Either you have a Garrett Wang type situation where, yeah, he's seen the meme, he knows about it, but it's not funny. Yeah. It's it's an overplayed joke. And when memes, usually when memes get to the point where they're like, can be seen by famous people, they fucking suck. <laughs> like me, like memes. Like the Morbius meme. Yeah. Like exactly. when Jared Leto, Jared Leto, like bought into it i think and then thought oh yeah it was a genuine excitement for it no and and at that point that meme is dead he killed the meme he did effectively murdered it um don't do this to people this is so (laughs) fucked up and so weird it is like telling someone like a complete stranger your dream it is it's it's like it's like yeah going up to your to your boss and being like like calling them a nickname that they that only like their employees call them behind their back or something. Yeah. Like they'd be like, "Wait, what? What do you? What, yeah, do, you, what just, do you mean?" Yeah, just like tell, it's like an yeah, you know how annoying it is when someone makes an inside joke like, around people who don't don't know the inside joke. And yeah, <laughs> and that's that's what this is on like a great existential level yeah. because it's it's an inside joke about this guy that he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. The best course of action here is to not fucking say anything. Yeah. Just shut your fucking mouth 
and don't talk about the internet in real life. I mean, it is really funny. It is. I will give it that. It is fucking hilarious. And if he didn't actually do this, which I doubt, yeah, I, I think he did this. I almost yeah. know he did this. Yeah. If he didn't do this and just this was a complete shit post, then it is genius. The genius, yeah. But like the way that this guy has his hand to his ear, like what? <laughs> I know he said this to him. Yeah. I know he said this to him, mm. and it is, it is some real goofy dog shit. Don't <laughs> treat people like that. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> That's yeah, I don't weird. know if you listen to uh, um, Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died and no. just listening to her talk about what, like, she can't walk down the street without people t- screaming um, her things from the from uh, iCarly at her. No. And how it drives her insane. No. <laughs> I was just like, I feel sorry for, for them sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, imagine someone like Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah. Or like I, Dave I Chappelle. He, I bet he gets a million my wife's. My wife. Yeah, right. And like Dave Chappelle probably still gets and they, like fucker couch and, and stuff. They kind of like do that. that in like the um the uh, the Borat sequel. Yeah. Like he it was harder for him to be Borat this time because um you know, yeah, obviously he's like the, one of the most recognizable characters. So right, right. they just like kept it like the whole illusion of what he was doing was was ruined because people would just like scream his catchphrases at him. <laughs> people ruin everything. Just like I don't know. Be in on KFOB. Like, fucking yeah. just play along. Play along. Don't bother people. Treat them with respect. Yeah. And don't fucking play your stupid inside jokes on them. It's dumb <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. Like, get, get, go touch some goddamn grass. Go out and talk to a person. Mm-hmm. And not, not a fucking celebrity would tell them about the meme about them. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. I mean the more the Morbius meme though to get really funny where we don't need to be. Well, yeah, I mean you you should harass Jared Leto. You should harass. Yeah, Jared I mean Leto. he he deserves it. Like the guy who played Damar, he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, he's on. a cool guy. We all love him. Yeah, he's not like <laughs> yeah, not Jared a, Leto. No one likes Jared Leto. No, and he's he's kind of pedophile-ish, and he's got a weird culty thing going. I yeah, he's remember. got a yeah he's got a cult. Like uh, he's possibly related to his um, band. Fucking sucks. I hate them. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, he hasn't really made too many good movies, honestly. Like, um, he's, he's, he, he, I will say he is a good actor. He's been in some shitty films, but like Dallas Buyers Club, he fucking killed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Killed that. All right. right. Yeah. Murdered that role, revived it, and murdered it. That movie's good. Okay. It is very good. Yeah. And he's very good in the role. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll give it that to him. So there's one. Everything (laughs) else sucks. Um, no, also, uh, American Psycho. Oh, uh, Paul Allen. Damn he's it. great as Paul Allen. Damn it. Bro. My whole, my whole, but everything he, I said is just he's, he's great at getting killed. So I don't know. He is. He's good. Very, but he's, he's just great. And beat up in Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, hell yeah. As long as you're killing Jared Leto in something, like, it's a great movie. Yeah. Beating him up. And yeah, mm-hmm. we, we love all that. Yeah. More of it. More, 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 more. <laughs> well, speaking about getting beat up. I think it's time we say goodbye to some people who were beat up in an ultimate sacrifice. Hells yeah. It's time for Richard Obituary. Well, the awaiting was in a pinch and somebody had to die. But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. Today we remember Lieutenant Galloway. A security officer who served aboard the USS Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. Lieutenant Galloway expired on the planet Omega-4 
after being vaporized with a phaser by Captain Ronald Tracy, who went insane after violating the Prime Directive, going down to the planet and contracting the Omega-4 virus. Hells yeah. Galloway's death in The Omega Glory is absolutely certain. However, in a later episode, Turnabout Intruder, actor David L. Ross appears once again as the lieutenant of the ship's security. Here, his character is credited as Galloway with only one L, though, insinuating that someone who didn't pay attention indeed intended this officer to be the same Galloway, but the name is not mentioned in the episode at all. Hmm. We should assume that the man from Turnabout Intruder is another person who just happens to look like and have the exact same name, <laughs> minus one L, as the late Galloway. Hmm. So rest the in transporter accident. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Is there, there was two Galloways. We just called one Galloway with one L. It's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, Galloway. Hey, two L's. Yeah, come yeah. over here. Um, <laughs> so rest in peace among the stars, Lieutenant Galloway. And thanks for your contribution to the greater good, I guess. <laughs> and that's the fucking show, fellas. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for hanging in there with us. Yeah. Thanks for hanging dong with us. Hanging schlong. Hanging a big dong schlong, Donkey Kong. <laughs> uh, where can we find you on the internet if we want to harass you or uh, ask you for butthole pics? Uh, I am on Twitter at Atomic Bomb. I used to be on Reddit, but I got banned. We'll, the- we'll be. I'll be making an account for him, so yeah. it's from my IP address, not his. Oh, excellent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it'll probably be like Soy Trek Pad or something like don't that. Don't tell him the name. Don't tell him the name. Okay. They, don't let, they, they can't know. Uh, <laughs> so. How about, how about, uh, sh- sh- just, sh- so, just so Reddit doesn't, doesn't ban, ban me again. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, <laughs> Reddit mods are listening to our podcast intently trying to ban Damn us. Damn it. They're, they're on me. Yeah, they're on the, they're on the case. Yeah. But I am, uh, at, I am on Twitter at Potomac Bomb. So, yeah. Uh, and you can find me at pretty much any social media, uh, at Soy Trek. Uh, yeah, just look, look us up. Um, I'm mm-hmm. the one usually responding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Also check out our merch. Uh, that's at our Etsy shop, uh, which you can find through any of our social medias. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, we'll mention you in uh, the next getting head episode. And, uh, with that, I think it's time for us to warp away. Captain's log supplemental. That's it folks. Time for us to get out of here. Be well, travel safe. And as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 103 says, sleep can interfere with, but then the quote was interfered with. So I guess we'll (laughs) we'll never know. All right. Well, thanks for trekking with us, soy boys. Hang dong and shocker. Soy, 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 so